air for Band for Racing, NASCAR Weekend Preview of Daytona. It is here. The season has started, and uh, we are really looking forward uh, to kicking off today our preview show for the 2020 season and uh, what a season it's going to be. Here to join me for our NASCAR Weekend Preview tonight is our co-host, Jay Huseman. Welcome to the show, Jay. Thank you, Sharon. Uh, excited to be here for the preview show this week on Wednesday, otherwise normally throughout the year, mostly on Thursdays. But uh, I'd say it was just we were so excited we were doing it on Wednesday. But, you know, Thursday, tomorrow night, going to be the duels, setting the uh, lineup there for the 500, which is always exciting, exciting racing, let alone the three top national series running this weekend at Daytona. So big, big weekend here to kick off the season. And we will talk about all of it. Now, we don't have our normal uh, programming notes for tonight, so you and I are going to kind of wing it a little bit from our usual format uh, for doing the NASCAR Weekend Preview, but that's okay. I think think we'll be able to hit on some big things because also taking place today, Jay, is NASCAR Media Day at Daytona with a lot of the cup drivers. I happen to have audio uh, from a lot of those interviews, and uh, at uh, some point tonight we'll play maybe a, at least a couple of those uh, interviews, uh, a few minutes each, uh, just so fans can kind of hear from some of the drivers preparing for the Daytona 500, the Great American Race, at Daytona International Speedway. Yeah, I got to see some of the, some of the clips uh, throughout some of the programming today on NASCAR Race Hub. I uh, saw some of this stuff on Twitter, some great things always happening during Media Day. Uh, great for the fans that are there as well as those that are home that can watch it if they can't be in attendance. So uh, it's great that you got some audio. I love to hear that. Okay. Now, here's what we're going to do. During this first half hour, we'll do a little bit of a review and advancing of the schedule for the Arkham Menard series. As you know, we've got uh, the regular Arkham Menard series 20 races in that series. Ten of those races are ARCA showdown races. And uh, in those showdown races, the Arkham Menards East and the Arkham Menards West drivers can participate. Now, that's really four different trophies we're talking about. The Arkham Menards series, who run the the 20-race schedule, the showdown trophy, and then the Arkham Menards series East and the Arkham Menards series West. They have uh, a limited, I shouldn't say limited schedule. I think the other night I said 10 races in those uh, events. In the East, it's actually, let's see, three, six, eight races. And in the West, it is three, five. They actually do have uh, 10 races in the West. So uh, 18 races for the East. 18 races for the West, including the showdown races as part of that Arkham Menard series. So a lot of overplay here, if you will, in that series. We'll talk about those uh, upcoming races and the ones that took place this week at Daytona uh, and New Smyrna. And then we'll kind of also get into uh, a little bit of the dual races that are going to be taking place tomorrow night, as you mentioned, Dual 1 and Dual 2 will determine the uh, running order for the Daytona 500 that will take place on on uh, Sunday. Now, in addition to that, at 9 o'clock Eastern time, 
we will do our preview of the Gander Outdoor Truck Series uh, race that's taking place on Friday. Then we'll uh, get into about 9.20. We'll get into the Xfinity Series race, maybe 9.15-ish, 9.20. We'll get into the Xfinity Series race. And then maybe about 9.30-ish, just so we have time to play some of that audio, we'll get into the uh, NASCAR Cup Series that's racing the Daytona 500 this weekend at Daytona International Speedway. So that's pretty much our schedule for the first 90 minutes. 10 o'clock is our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off. At that point, Jay, uh, we will be joined by the co-host, Andy Lasky, as we get an opportunity to hit some more of the hot topics leading into the racing that's going to take place this weekend. So a lot to talk about there. Yeah, there always is, and they, you know, I know we talked about this already on Monday. You know, we talked about possibly doing a separate show, hot topics, with what came out through the <laughs> off season. Uh, I think we got plenty to cover us for through these first few months of racing, and that's if nothing else happens on track or there's anything from race day that we can uh, pull from. So, I think our hot mm-hmm. topics is covered for a while. I think so because. Uh, something that we're doing that's new this year is Andy Lasky, who is the co-host for Hot Topics on Mondays and Thursdays, is going to put together a uh, weekly article on Hot Topics, uh, and that first article is going to be posted this Friday, and uh, really looking forward to that because uh, sometimes we need a little bit of a release valve or an overflow for those topics that we can't hit. Uh, during the show, just for time constraints, uh, Andy's going to be able to discuss some of those topics in his uh, blog that will be posted at fanforacing.com. So definitely looking forward to that. I know he plans to talk to uh, the Fan for Racing crew to get some of their input on some of the hot topics in that article. So that will be a lot of fun this season. Well, and I do like that. I know we're doing the uh, the fan chat this year, uh, kicking that off here as we can and hope to do it throughout some race weekends as well. So I think that'll be a great spot for fans to interact and give their opinion and voice some uh, thoughts on each of the topics that we do cover each and every week. So I think that's going to be great as we get the fans more involved as well. Yes. Uh, Speaking of that, I've also started doing kind of an event, uh, Facebook event uh, page for our radio show where fans can kind of interact with us throughout the show as we bring up different topics. Uh, If you haven't uh, seen that yet, head over to Fan for Racing blog and radio on Facebook, and you'll see in the timeline uh, the event for tonight's radio show. Click on that event, and uh, there there are discussion threads uh, where as we bring up different topics throughout the show tonight, including our hot topics, fans can interact with us and uh, give their thoughts about some of the topics that we're talking about. And you never know, we might mention somebody right here on the show uh, that is taking part in that. So we'll see how that goes uh, as we continue throughout the season. Uh, but as uh, uh, Jay mentioned, we'll also do periodically uh, kind of watch parties, if you will. Uh, where and that also will probably be on Facebook, where we do some interaction with fans throughout race day 
and get some thoughts about what's going on during the race, as well as give some of our thoughts about what's happening throughout the race and uh, let, you know, another engagement where we can interact with fans. So definitely looking forward to that as well. As, as am I. I know we talked about that throughout, uh, throughout the offseason. That was one we all kind of wanted to try and see what we could do because, uh, I mean, that's a huge part of it, just like doing this show, just getting to talk about racing and, and express your opinions. I know call-in radio shows, I mean, that's what they live off of and always seem to have great programs. So great to uh, co- incorporate that here into the Fan for Racing program once again. Oh, okay. So before we run out of time, we need to get into uh, our conversation about the Arkham and Art Series. And um, uh, we had two races already this week. Uh, On Saturday, the Arkham and Art Series ran their season opener at Daytona. Uh, Michael Self won that race. Uh, He's running full-time this year with Venturini Motorsports with his crew chief, is Kevin Reed, and unlike uh, previous seasons where he's had maybe two or three different crew chiefs he's worked with throughout the season, Kevin Reed, uh, Michael told us on our show Monday night, Kevin Reed will be with him full-time this season, and uh, I look for them to have a strong run toward the championship this year. Uh, So if, if you haven't listened already, do take some time out to listen to the uh, radio show. We do have it posted at fanforacing.com, and uh, you'll be able to listen to that uh, interview with Michael Self, the winner of that first uh, race. Well, and quite clearly, obviously, was a championship contender last year, winning multiple races, Mm -hmm. uh, having a great, great season, uh, finishing runner-up to his teammate. Uh, to have one crew chief like that, again, I think just adds some strength. Uh, obviously, they made it work last year with multiple, but to have one dedicated crew chief, it just adds to their strength and makes them that big of a, a more of a stronger contender. So look out for Michael Self in that Sinclair Oil uh, car this year. Absolutely. And then the other thing is on uh, Monday, uh, in fact, it was during our show, uh, the Arkham Menard Series East, ran their season opener at New Smyrna Speedway, uh, and uh, that was an exciting race. I I happened to get this year the Sports Gold Package from NBC Sports Network, so I was able to stream that race and be able to talk about it throughout our show on Monday night. Uh, Sam Mayer won from GMS Racing, and uh, there was a real tight battle between him and Derek Griffith, one of the uh, newcomers to the Arkham Art Series East this year, uh, really putting on a strong showing at New Sperna Speedway this weekend. And fans will be able to watch that race uh, this Friday. Uh, and uh, you'll want to set your DVRs because it's at 1 o'clock in the afternoon Eastern Time on NBC Sports Network. So uh, do not miss that race. There was a lot of bumping and banging. Uh, there was some attrition, as we're accustomed to, but uh, uh, you want to check out that race. It was pretty, pretty a lot, a lot of fun. And the first race for that K&N Pro Series. I'm sorry. <laughs> there, I said it, Jay. There we for go. We're Menard. each one for one for so far. <laughs> yep. <laughs> for that Arkham Menard Series East. The race itself, a great race. Seeing Sam Mayer win, uh, not actually a surprise. Uh, again, it, he would have to expect him to be one of the early favorites to contend for that championship. 
But as you mentioned, there is so many, and I believe they had 23 starters for that first race of the year, which yes. was awesome to see. Uh, hopefully that trend continues again with the showdown races combining with the main Arkham Menard series, uh, I think is really going to produce some great things for all of the series combined. Not only that, but Steve O'Donnell made the point of the 23 starters for the race, but he also pointed out there was great attendance at New Smyrna Speedway as well. And I think that's going to be one of the benefits of uh, the reorganization that's taking place with these three series this year. I think we are going to see better attendance at all of these tracks. At least that's the intention. And so far with New Smyrna, they uh, had a really nice attendance at that track. So that was a very positive sign. Uh, all right. Now, the other series that we have not talked about yet is the Arkham Art Series West. Uh, they will have their season opener on February 20th, and they're opening up at the Bull Ring at Las Vegas Motor Speedway on that day. The timing of the event is 11 p.m. Eastern Time. Again, if you have the track pack, uh, track pass package at Sports Gold at NBC Sports Network. You'll be able to watch live streaming of that race. Also, they have the uh, leaderboard that they run at the Arkham Menards uh, website, uh, and uh, you can go to that at arcaracing.com and be able to keep track of the live timing and scoring. Um, and uh, I, I really, I really hope more fans get involved in these schedules uh, this season as a result of the fact that you can see it live streaming and and everything else. The other thing is the Suchi Showdown is actually what they're calling it this year. The very first race uh, of that showdown series is going to be on Friday, March the 6th, the second race for the Arkham Menard Series schedule, uh, and that's at ISM Raceway in Phoenix. Now, that race will take place at 7 p.m. Uh, Eastern Time and will be telecast again on Fox Sports 1 Network. So fans will be able to watch that race live as well. And this is the first time that we are seeing this Midwest series that's now expanding nationally, the first time that we've ever seen the Arkham Art Series go that far west to ISM Raceway. Yeah, some great things. And we talked about the possibilities of this one that, that was announced already two years ago that NASCAR had bought the ARCA series, um, what that could mean. And I think we're seeing already after just one year uh, what they're looking to put into it. And like you said, the fan attendance, the fan involvement, the, the team involvement, the uh, combination rent races, which will now be 10 races in that showdown series, I think are all great marketing things that NASCAR is doing. And as they like to say, it's going back to the grassroots racing. You know, the Arkham and Art mm-hmm. series has always been considered the Midwest, and then you had the West and the, and the East series, bringing them all together for certain races while still keeping, say, uh, 10 and 8 race schedules for the East and the West separately, I think was a huge, huge move. I do, too. I, I know how much I looked forward to the what I call the combination events. Uh, and it used to be one or two races a season. Well, now we have 10 races uh, that these series can all come together. Uh, and it's not just the East and the West anymore. It's the Arkham and Art series as well. Uh, so three series all coming together uh, in those uh, combination events uh, in the series known as the Sioux Chiefs Showdown. 
that's going to be taking place within the Arkham and Art Series uh, 20 race schedule. So pretty darn exciting. And I know from some people who are, are listening in, that might sound a little bit confusing, but I think, Jay, as the season progresses, it will be less and less confusing for fans. And uh, I think a lot of fans are going to like this format. Most certainly. I know, again, as, as a longtime race fan, kind of having the, the idea of how it would work, I was excited for it. Uh, it. Getting more so even as we get closer, and, and I think after the first race or two that we see it, uh, I think all fans are going to be totally in favor of it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, uh, Sal, Jay, I wanted to give you a chance, because we're doing the fantasy uh, game again this year with the Fan for Racing crew, and uh, we've get, we've already made some picks for the first and the second duel that's going to take place tomorrow night at Daytona. These dual races are going to be what determines the starting lineup for the Daytona 500 on Sunday. They are indeed, and I think so far, if you want to give yours there, and then I believe I got Sam's already. Uh, I've messaged James. Uh, I know he's uh, his schedule is I'm a little sorry, off. I'm sorry, I don't of have ours. my list with me. So okay, you'll have I, to I can hit him. I, all right, I got him. Um, as I mentioned on Monday night from the clash, uh, Andy had Denny Hamlin who finished a uh, lap down, but was the top finishing of our picks. So he was, uh, got the four points to start us off this season. Uh, Sharon, unfortunately you had the zero with Truex, but that didn't deter you. You took Martin Truex in duel number one and Kevin Harvick mm-hmm. for duel number two. A great picks. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know that you could have gone any better having the first picks in each race. So uh, <laughs> Sam followed that up with uh, Chase Elliott and William Byron for the duels. He came off of a, the second finishing, finishing there uh, with Alex Bowman. Again, crash fest. Unfortunately, we all finished pretty bad there with our clash picks. But uh, that left it up to James. And like I said, I haven't heard on his yet. I did message him, though, and told him that I had to follow him. So at least leave me somebody. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we still have some picks coming in on those, right? Yep. Okay. And again, and, Andy, uh, Andy will have to go last. Oh, poor Andy. <laughs> but that's the only because he did so well with Hamlin uh, from the uh, Clash. So that's right. <laughs> I can't feel too bad for him. All right. Um, so let's talk about those dual races because. Uh, there is a lot going on there uh, with these duels. Let's start with going over the entry list. Uh, Let's start with duel one uh, and going over the entry list there. And uh, I might even be able to play uh, some uh, audio from some of those drivers that will be in duel one. All right. Let me see if I can find. I know I saved it to my phone somewhere. Um, okay. Yes, I can well, try I can and get find those. Started. Okay. Um, okay. Go there ahead. There are 22 drivers uh, that are going to be in this first duel, the Blue Green Vacations Duel One at Daytona International Speedway, uh, and that will take place, as we mentioned, on Thursday night. Uh, you'll be able to watch this on FS1. Uh, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. has the number one spot. Uh, along with Chase Elliott, uh, both of them on row one. Row two, we see Denny Hamlin and Eric Almarola. Uh, are you there yet? Yep. All right. Uh, okay. So I'm going to go there. Now you, 
got rookie uh, Christopher Bell and Joey Logano going to make up the third row. Fourth row, that'll be Clint Boyer and Ryan Newman. Ryan Priest and Chris Busher, no longer teammates, uh, going to make up that fifth row. Then we got Martin Truex Jr. and Brad Keselowski. Again, two that got to be favorites on the super speedway. And we have another rookie, John Hunter Nemechek. Uh, outside of him will be Ryan Blaney. Uh, what row are we on? Eighth row, it looks like. Austin Dillon and Justin Haley. Then you got Bubba Wallace and Reed Sorensen, along with Daniel Suarez. And unfortunately, that's where my list cuts off, but I know there's more starters than that on that one. Okay, let me take a look here. You left off with Daniel Suarez and Quinn Huff. Yep. Row 11 is Chad Fincham and Joey Gase. So uh, that is going to be uh, a really uh, interesting race there. Uh, There are nine Chevrolets, there are five Toyotas, and eight Fords in this lineup of drivers in the first duel. Uh, And Ricky Stenhouse Jr. did take the pole I do have a little bit of audio here from him from today's media uh, day. And uh, I can't play the whole thing because it's 20 minutes, but I will play uh, a couple of minutes here of uh, audio from Ricky Stenhouse Jr. from today's media day. Hang on. I mean, I keep it safe a lot of times and go with, like, uh, just some grilled fish or chicken and rice and some vegetables. Worst thing, um, probably some tacos, Mexican. Any. Any and all. (laughs) It's been really neat. Um, You know, as soon as we won the poll, uh, they were like, hey, we're going to fly out at 6 p.m. to go to New York and they were gracious enough to let me push that time back so I could go to the dirt track and watch my sprint car team run, and then, then we headed to New York. But, uh, you know, getting there, uh, getting up in the morning and, you know, going to Fox and doing all the shows and then uh, all the interviews in between, uh, it's just pretty cool to see everybody talking about our race team and, and what we were able to accomplish on Sunday. Uh, you know, a lot of hard work went into that this all season, a lot of Saturdays long nights in the shop, long days in the wind tunnel, and uh, to see it all kind of come together and, and pay off and, uh, you know, get to see all the media that, that our team was able to get is uh, is pretty special. I got to enjoy it for a week, you know, or we get to enjoy that for a week before uh, before the race on Sunday, and um, so it's, uh, it, it is a big deal for our team. Okay, so... Uh, he he is one of the people that are secure in his position for the race on Sunday, even though he's racing in that dual one. Uh, and t- he talks a little bit about what he eats before a race, but also what it means to him individually uh, for uh, taking the pole position uh, for the Daytona 500. Any thoughts, Jay? Yeah, there's so many things when it comes down to the duels. Well, first off, starting with pole qualifying, uh, Rick, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. there talked about it. You get to savor that for a week, and the media blitz that goes along with it uh, does so much for a team, for a driver, for the sponsor. So, I mean, that's huge. They went out after that goal, and they got it. For him, especially, again, having coming over to a new team, having left Roush Fenway Racing last year, coming over to JTG Daughtery, 
Uh, again, mm-hmm. super speedways they've been solid at, but to put it on the pole like that, again, what that does for that team as a whole, uh, you can't even describe. Uh, it, you really can't, uh, especially for a team like that. So that's great to see with Ricky Stenhouse and that JTG Dotary team. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and, and, again, this race will be taking place, I believe, let's see, do we have a time for that? Uh, I know it was, I believe it was 7.30 Eastern is when the TV coverage starts on Fox. Okay, so 7.30 Eastern is when uh, the Gander, the uh, uh, Bluegrass uh, vacation uh, duels will be taking place. Uh, now, Duel 2, we need to go over that starting lineup as well. And uh, I'll go ahead and start with – I'll do the first uh, four rows, and then you can do the rest there. We've got uh, right. Alex Bowman and Jimmy Johnson on the front row. Uh, then you've got Kyle Busch, William Byron on the second row, Eric Jones and Kevin Harvick in the third row, and the rookie Cole Custer and Matt DiBenedetto in row four. Then you got another rookie uh, to the Cup Series this year, Tyler Reddick and Kyle Larson, two Chevrolets. Kurt Busch, Michael McDowell, and then you got David Rakin making a final start in the Daytona 500. Outside of him, Ross Chastain. And you got Ty Dillon, Brandon Gaughan, another one making uh, the Daytona 500, locked in on time already in his final start. And then Timmy Hill and Corey LaJoy. And again, my list on my phone only saved that far, so I only have through row okay. 18, spot 18. Okay, row uh, 10, we have J.J. Yaley with Brendan Poole, another, one of the rookies running this year. And in row 11, it's uh, B.J. McLeod. So uh, that includes 10 Chevrolets, two Toyotas, and nine Fords in that running order. Uh, Alex Bowman has the front row there. And I was going to look and see if I have any audio from him. I'm sure I would do. We do. Let me play a little bit of uh, his audio uh, from today's media day. Hold on. I apologize. I should be getting started here in a moment. Um, well, that is okay. Here we go. Not all at once here. Cal- calmly. Yeah. Um, with Jimmy leaving, do you guys get a sense of someone who can fill that leadership void at Hendrick? I mean, does it automatically go to Chase because he's been there the longest? Or, I mean, you're, you're older than Chase, so does it go to the owner? Or have you guys talked about that at all or no? Yeah, that really hasn't um, hasn't gotten brought up a, a whole lot. Obviously, from the, the driver role, um, I feel like all four of us bring something different to the table and are, are able to um, look at things differently and, and kind of help each other. Um, at the same time, I feel like Jeff Gordon does a really good job of being really involved and, and having like a, a driving background helps um, helps from our side of things. But um, yeah, we haven't really talked about it, so it'll be uh, interesting to see. Okay, uh, that's an interesting question. We all know that Jimmy Johnson is leaving, 
after this season. And uh, the question centered around uh, who's going to be the leadership role, the driver who is the oldest or the one who's been there the longest. So your thoughts there, Jay? You know, that that's a really tough one to say. Uh, I think as far as experience, it's Alex Bowman having been around, but obviously Chase Elliott, most popular driver, had the most wins for uh, Hendrick Motorsports last year um, across the board. So I, I don't know that it necessarily has to be one. I mean, there's different aspects and different levels. Obviously, the on-track performance at this point has been Chase Elliott, and he's the most popular. But you can't deny uh, Bowman's experience with what everything he's been through to get to this spot with Hendrick and running their simulator program as well for a year. That's true. That's true. Uh, and uh, Jimmy Johnson's been pretty – Pretty a, a pretty cool cucumber, if you will, so far this season. I know we're just into the first race of the season, but I think as the season progresses, it's going to get a little bit more emotional for him as it starts to set in that this is the last time uh, that we'll be seeing Jimmy Johnson race a lot of these tracks. He still has a, another chance to come back to Daytona this season, but uh, it, it's going to be a little bit of an emotional year losing him this season. It certainly season. is. It certainly is. And it's one of those, uh, as they talk about all the time, while he was winning five championships in a row, tying the record for seven total. I know there were some fans that weren't particularly fond of him, but when you look back years down the road, you were part of mm-hmm. history, probably some unbreakable history when it comes to both of those records. Uh, obviously, Earnhardt and Petty's record of seven didn't get broken. It was tied. But to look back at that, you know, while you're experiencing it, to really understand that you really are part of history being made. And, again, I think Jimmy Johnson is going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer when his time comes. Yeah, yeah, I think he's going to leave a huge hole at Hendrick Motorsports, and then we'll all get to speculate who's going to be driving that number 48 next season. (laughs) That will save that for hot topics. I know that one had kind of come up already during the (laughs) Hall of Fame weekend as well some interesting things uh, going on there. Um, So we'll talk about that maybe a little during Hot Topics. Okay. Now, uh, we are going to move on. Uh, We will come back to the Cup Series, as I mentioned earlier, during the 9.30 half hour tonight when we talk about the Daytona 500. And uh, we will get into that, and I'll have more audio uh, for everybody to listen to throughout that half hour. Uh, Right now we're going to get into the uh, Gander Outdoor Truck Series. They're coming back on track at Daytona, and they'll be racing this Friday night. Uh, They are racing at Daytona International Speedway, uh, Valentine's Day. Uh, They start at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time, and uh, you can watch that race on Fox Sports Network, FS1. And uh, if you're listening on the radio, it's MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. Uh, So uh, definitely looking forward to the trucks uh, coming back on track uh, for this event. Uh, There's a lot of stats to go over with regard to this truck series. Uh, We've got new people coming in. We've got... Uh, some of the regulars coming back, which is fantastic. And uh, there's a lot to look forward to with this series. Let's start. Uh, Let's see, is this the entry list? 
Yeah, I want to go over the entry list. I don't think I have right. it here right now. But do you have that, Jay? Yeah, I'm getting it pulled up uh, right now. Uh, hopefully my Internet up here. I know we got a little bit of weather going. All right, the Double Zero Reune Brothers Racing uh, hasn't announced a driver yet. Sheldon Creed returning in the GMS Racing number two. Young Motorsports going to have a couple of entries that, again, haven't been listed yet. Jordan Anderson in the number three. Big one here in the number 20 Toyota for Cowboys Motorsports, Raphael Lassard. They're going to be a Rookie of the Year contender. You want me to keep going with some more? Okay, yeah, here I've got you ended up with, uh, you talked Sheldon Creed, Tom yep, Vins, Vins. Raphael oh. Lassard. Okay, next up uh, uh, in the 04 car is Corey Roper uh, with Roper Racing. Then you, a lot of people know Norm Benning. Uh, a lot of, he's one of the popular guys on the track in the number six. Corbin Forrester in the number seven car. And uh, John Hunter Nemechek, uh, a lot of people know uh, John uh, Hunter. He will be in the number eight car for Nemco Motorsports this uh, Friday night. You yeah, always great five? to see John Hunter return. Always great to see John Hunter return and does a heck of a job there in his family-owned team. Uh, then you got the number nine, Cody Robaugh. Jennifer Joe Cobb Racing doesn't have the driver listed yet by the sheet I got here in the number ten. And then you got Johnny Sodder, obviously going to be considered a threat in Thor Sport Racing, and they switched over to uh, Ford this year. I'm sorry, they were at Ford last year already. Um, mm-hmm, returning mm-hmm. with them. Then you got Tanner Gray coming in with DGR Crosley. They are the ones that switched over to Ford this year. So I think that's going to be a big team to watch as well as driver. Okay. And then also Austin Hill in that number 16 car, uh, returning with Hattori Racing Enterprises, had a good run with a couple of really great wins last season. So it'll be fun to see what he does. Uh, two years in a row with uh, Hattori. Christian Eckes coming over for, as a champion from the Arkham Menard Series will be racing the number 18 for Kyle Busch Motorsports. You've got Derek Krause and a new team, uh, McNally, McNally Hilgerman uh, Racing, uh, and Derek will be racing the number 19 this season. The number 20 is a TBA to be announced for Young's Motorsports. And uh, I'll leave it to you for the next group. All right. Then you got Zane Smith coming full-time now in the truck series. Did a phenomenal job with some uh, part-time racing in the Xfinity series with Junior Motorsports. He comes to um, GMS Racing. He'll be in the number 21. Austin Wade himself, a regular throughout the truck series here in the number 22 AM Racing. And then you got Brent Moffitt and Tyler Ankrum, the number 23 and 26. Getting two of GMS Racing's strong Chevrolet team there. And Brian Dezat in the FDNY Racing will be in the number 28. And I'll hit Brennan Poole making a start here in the number 30 for On Point Racing, or On Point Motorsports, I'm sorry. Yes, indeed. Uh, And definitely looking forward to seeing what he does there. Uh, Jason White is in the number 33 for Rayom Brothers. Uh, racing, and uh, the number 34 is a TBA for the same team. Todd Gilliland's racing with Front Row Motorsports this season. 
Uh, he'll be in the number, it says number 138 here. I'm not sure if that's what we're going to see on the track, but that's what it says here. Uh, Ross Chastain, glad to see him back on track in the trucks. He's going to be in the number 40 car this weekend for Nice Motorsports, uh, along with his teammate, Natalie Decker, in the number 44, and uh, Ty Majeski in the number 45, all teammates at Nice Motorsports. Another strong team there with uh, Nice Motorsports. I'm really looking forward to seeing Ty Majeski uh, in these trucks. Having Ross Chastain come back, we know what he did last year in the truck series, uh, coming switching into the Truck Series Championship points mid-season, uh, did a phenomenal job. So some great things to look at there. And, again, Kyle Busch Motorsports, so strong. They're going to have Riley Herbst making a start in the number 51. And then another one that changed manufacturers, number 52 of Stuart Friesen, Halmar Friesen Racing, switching over to Toyota's underneath uh, mm-hmm. or a partnership kind of with Kyle Busch Motorsports and the Toyota team. So that'll be an interesting uh, team to watch this year as Stewart had his breakout year last year. In the number 56 for Hill Motorsports, always one of my favorites there, Gus Dean. Like seeing him seeing him in the truck series. Clay Greenfield makes several starts. He'll be making one this week with Clay Greenfield Motorsports in the number 68. And Joe Nemechek in the 87 running another Nemco Motorsports truck. Okay, what's cool about Clay Greenfield, too, a lot of people know Jeff Hammond uh, from Fox Sports. Jeff Hammond's going to be on top of the pit box again and uh, as the crew chief for Clay Greenfield. So uh, that'll be an interesting note uh, for fans uh, this weekend in the truck series. Matt Crafton's back in the number 88 for Thorsport Racing, and uh, Todd Peck with Peck Motorsports will be in that number 96 truck Along with Jesse Little, it's here. It says 297 is going to be his number, uh, and he's going to be racing this weekend. That will, be, that will be great to see. And then Grant Infinger in the number 98, and Ben Rhodes in the number 99. Their teammates again at Thor Sport Racing with Matt Crafton. So a lot of fun uh, racing that I'm sure we're going to see with this group. Yeah, the Truck Series, again, throughout the year, always provides some of the best racing, some great storylines, some great rookies coming up. You still have the mixture of some veterans. Um, so I think we're going to see another great series, uh, season for this series and that championship. And I know one of the last ones we mentioned there was uh, was Grant Enfinger. If you want to talk a little bit about him, I know you got reason to. Uh <laughs> I'm not sure where where you're coming from there. I know he's one of the ARCA Menard Series champions that has made the transition into uh, the uh, truck series and doing very well. Uh, I'm excited that he's with Thor Sport Racing. What what is it I'm missing here? I know Uh, I'm going to go. That was your pick for the the race this weekend. (laughs) Okay, yeah, I did pick him. Uh, for the race this weekend. Grant's uh, been known to do uh, fairly well at uh, uh, Daytona International Speedway. I know he's won some there in the Arkham Menard Series, so uh, I look for him to have a good run this weekend. And the, the only uh, reason I brought just... that... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. No, the only, reason, say, the only brought... reason I brought that up was uh, with the fantasy picks, 
the truck series we went off last year's championship, which I won, so I had to go last. I was kind of hoping maybe he'd make it to that fifth pick, but you took him there at the second pick. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, I got him before you, huh? <laughs> yep. Um, okay. run, down the, uh, run down the rest real quick if you want me to hit him real quick. James went with Todd Gillen with that new team uh, that they formed. Yeah, as I said, Sharon, you took Grant Infinger. Sam took Johnny Sauter. Andy took Brett Moffitt. And so, again, I had to go last. I went with the rookie, Christian Eckes. Uh, he made a few starts last year. We saw him perform really well. So I think he's going to come out the gate strong. Okay, I think so too. Now, just to go over uh, a few of the top stats here, uh, Johnny Sauter has the most wins at Daytona. He has a total of uh, uh, three wins in 11 races. So uh, he's kind of the veteran of this racetrack, if you will, and uh, definitely one of the drivers to keep an eye on this weekend. Uh, Top tens, the driver with the most top tens that's currently active is uh, Matt Crafton. Uh, in 19 races, he has eight top tens. Uh, lead lap finishes uh, in 19 races. Again, he has 10 lead lap finishes. And uh, laps completed in 19 races, 1,814 laps completed, all for Matt Crafton. Some great stats there, but, again, this is Daytona. We have seen it in the class. We have seen it in the 500 before, and we certainly see it in the trucks. And they were talking about that during the broadcast. With the whole day punch in the air, uh, getting alongside of another truck, you don't have to touch them. You have to be near them, and that truck gets a little mm-hmm. loose. So uh, we're going to see some action, no doubt, there in the truck series. Uh, obviously, some drivers, the experience they have tends to play into it. But any race at a super speedway, you never know. Now, for a fan, if you're watching these races this weekend, the one place that you don't want to push another driver is in the corners. Uh, We see it over and over again where somebody tries pushing in the corner, and it ends up in a wreck, I think, 99% of the time. So they get lucky occasionally, uh, but it's a no-no to push in the corners. You can push down the straightaways. Uh, but not in the corners. So something uh, for everybody to kind of keep an eye on uh, this year. Uh, now there's, uh, let me see, first poll. Uh, Christian Eckes actually took a poll at Daytona last year, uh, and that was for the opening race, uh, to, uh, February 15th, 2019. Uh, and Grant Infinger uh, did it in 16, he took the pole position uh, in the February race. Uh, and so those are the active drivers uh, this year that uh, will also be racing again this year. And Austin Hill got his first win at this track at the season opener last year. And that's one of those stories from last year. Uh, with Austin Hill stepping into the previously defending championship team of Hattori Racing and Brett Moffitt to come out with that win at Daytona, lock himself into the championship, and went on to have a great year. A lot of people question that move. He went on to have a great year, was battling for the championship uh, right up until, I believe, the championship four. Prior to the round prior to that is where he got eliminated. But they had a phenomenal year. And, again, coming back this year, I think they're just going to be super strong 
great to see him get that opportunity. Yes, indeed. Uh, now, uh, looking at uh, performances at this track, I, I want to kind of go down here and see if I can get the best average finish. Or let's see, uh, best average start I've got here is uh, Sheldon Creed. Uh, that's only uh, one race, though, and uh, his average start was uh, sixth. Uh, Christian Eckes has a high number there. Again, just one race in. Uh, Grant Tenfinger has an average start of nine. He has uh, uh, more races uh, there. He's got five starts. And Tanner Gray, one start, he started in third place. So just a few of the drivers to kind of keep an eye on uh, as we go into that race. I do want to kind of move on, though, to the Xfinity Series so that we can be done here uh, for the uh, Cup conversation. And uh, going to that entry list now, we'll go down the entry list for the Xfinity Series. They are racing on Saturday uh, this week. They'll be racing uh, at uh, 2.30 p.m. Saturday. Uh, again, it will be broadcast on Fox Sports 1. And if you're listening on the radio, it is MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio this Saturday, February the 15th. Do you want to uh, start down the list, the first five, All right, and I'll we'll start move on from there? Five. Okay. Yeah, I'll we'll go with, five at uh, a time. JD, JD Motorsports has BJ McLeod in the number Number zero, pay attention to that. BJ is driving for JD Motorsports in the double zero. Or in the zero. Uh, I'll get to that in number five here. But Michael Annette in the number one, Junior Motorsports, obviously going to be a contender, not only at Daytona as the previous winner, but, again, showed some great strength throughout the year last year. Our Motorsports, uh, Brett Moffitt in the zero, two, going to make some starts with that team. Jesse Little, uh, another one, making the start with JD Motorsports in the number four. The number five, that is a B.J. McLeod Motorsports' own team, but they do not have a driver announced to it yet. Okay. All right. Uh, moving on from there, again, uh, in the number six car, J.D. Motorsports uh, does not have a driver yet named for that car, uh, on this list anyway. And then you, we go on to Justin Algauer, uh in the number seven for Junior Motorsports. Uh, Ray Black Jr. Ray Black II Jr. will be in the 07 for SS Greenlight Racing, and then we've got Joe Graff Jr. in the 08, uh, also with SS Greenlight Racing, and uh, 10th is Jeb Burton uh, for Junior Motorsports in that number eight. Last year uh, we saw a lot of success in that number eight with Taylor Moyer as the crew chief. He was a new crew chief last year. I can't wait to see what he does with that number eight this season. And I know Junior's going to race that number eight for one race this year. Most certainly a team to watch. They did do phenomenal with that with the rotation of drivers. The other Junior Motorsports you want to keep an eye on is the number nine of Noah Gregson. We saw his progression throughout last year. See what he steps up and does in year number two. Another one, Ross Chastain, full-time for the Xfinity Series Championship this year with College Racing in the number 10 and his teammate, the 11, Justin Haley. The 13, that'll be Chad Fincham with a Motorsports Business Management, and Robbie Lyons, the second, in a number 15 JD Motorsports team. 
Okay, moving along, A.J. Allmendinger behind the wheel of the number 16 for Colleague Racing. I believe he's got six or seven races. He's uh, racing with them this year, so watch for more from A.J. Allmendinger there. Uh, in the number 18 is Riley Erbst. We followed Riley Erbst from his Canon Pro Series days. I'm excited to see him in the Xfinity Series this year for Joe Gibbs Racing. Uh, Dave Rogers is his crew chief. Brandon Jones is back in the number 19 uh, for J- Joe Gibbs Racing. And Harrison Burton, another driver I've been looking forward to this season, in the Xfinity Series number 20, again, for Joe Gibbs Racing. Uh, also, Matt Myatt. Snyder for Richard Childress Racing in the number 21. Uh, uh, Jeff Burton fans remember him driving that car in this Xfinity series. So it'll be fun to see that 21 car on track this season for Richard Childress Racing. Another one returning from last year that was a contender, the number 22 for Team Penske, Austin Sindrick. Then we got the 25 of Chris Cockrum for ACG Motorsports. Colin Garrett making a start in the 26 for Sam Hunt Racing. And we got the number 38 will be Jeff Green for RSS Racing. And the 36 I missed, uh, DGM Racing, a to-be-announced driver. Okay. Did you mention Ryan Sieg? Uh, no. Did I miss Sieg? Uh, okay. Uh, no. Uh, oh, I can stop do it. The, I can do it. Okay, yeah, Jeff Green is with uh, uh, RSS Racing. His teammate is Ryan Sieg, uh, and uh, he'll be in the number 39 car. Tommy Joe Martins will be in the number 44 uh, this weekend for Martins Motorsports. Joe Nemechek, along, uh, we heard that John Hunter's racing in the uh, truck series. Well, Joe's going to be racing for Mike Harmon Racing in that number 47 car in the Xfinity Series. And then Jeremy Clements is back in the number 51 this year for his race team. And uh, we love to see J.J. Yaley on track in that number 52 for Means Motorsports. And here we are in the Xfinity Series making a start for Hattori Racing Enterprises is Austin Hill. We talked about him a little bit in the trucks. He'll be making some starts there as they get their program there. And the number 61, the number... 66 will be Timmy Hill for, again, Motorsports Business Management, a conglomeration of partners for that team. The 68, that will be Brandon Brown at Brandon Built Motorsports. The 74 will be Mike Harmon himself with the Mike Harmon Racing. And the BJ McClellan Motorsports, number 78, they will announce their driver at a later date. Okay, and the number uh, 90 is uh, Cesar Barcerella for GGM Embracing. Uh, then there's a couple of TBAs, uh, the 92 and the 93. Uh, the 92 with GGM Racing and the 93 with RSS Racing. Uh, Chase Briscoe will be back in the number 98, and I know we're all looking forward to seeing what Chase does this year with Stuart Haas Racing in that number eight. He was uh, really strong uh, last season, and I look for him to have a stronger season this year uh, right out of the gate. Then you've got uh, the number 99 of Josh Balicki in that B.J. McLeod uh, motorsports vehicle, uh, for, and that rounds out all of our Xfinity Series drivers for this weekend. Again, some great storylines, some rookies, some veterans. Uh, the 
big three from last year from the championship moved up to the Cup Series. So bring that up in hot topics of whose name is going to be made this year in the Xfinity Series. Exactly right. Uh, the last five winners in this race, uh, two of those guys are are racing this year in the event, and that is Ross Chastain. He won in July of last year, and Michael Lynette won last February uh, at this track. And the margin of error was pretty close in both of those races. Uh, well, no, the, the tightest margin of error, it's not both of those races, but uh, in July of 2019, that's the race that Ross Chastain won, uh, it was .109, the margin of victory. And in February of last year, the race that Michael Lynette won, it was .116. So that's right up there with uh, some of the closest racing, closest finishes that uh, we've seen at the track. And that's what you're going to see in these series, all the series at Daytona typically, is that side-by-side battle photo finish. Uh, you know, it's just become an amazing sight. I know, unfortunately, to get there, we've got to go through some of the uh, the wrecks and stuff. But the finishes are generally pretty spectacular when it comes down to that finish. It is. It really is. Um, we've got a lot of drivers here that uh, uh, have done a good job at this track. Uh, Michael Lynette, as we mentioned, have a, has a win here. Ross Chastain has a win. Uh, and I think think that might be the only ones well let's wait Joe Nemechek <laughs> the veteran Joe Nemechek has two wins at this track and he's in the field this weekend so uh, other than that uh, the only other drivers that have won at this track that are in this field are Ross Chastain and uh, who's the other guy that I just said Michael Annette and I think uh, Michael and that would be a good one to w- watch as far as being a repeat winner, as well as Ross Chastain. Well, and I think I think they're going to get some uh, competition this year uh, from some of these other drivers, uh, the, some new drivers, as well as some of the ones that have been around. I think Austin Sendrick may be a contender this weekend, uh, but I think we may also see some great things from Harrison Burton and Chase Briscoe. So it wouldn't surprise me if uh, those guys jump up there too, as well as Justin Algauer. He was my pick for this Xfinity series. Do you have the it, other I was going to say, with, with with that, I think you hit <laughs> on all of the picks that we had. Uh, James oh, kicked, really? kicked us off. No, that's all right. James kicked us off with Briscoe. Andy came in with uh, Ross Chastain. Unfortunately, I was third in this one, so Chastain was uh, definitely one of my highlighted drivers. I went with the rookie of Harrison Burton. Um, mm. Sharon, you mentioned you came in with Justin Algar, obviously junior motorsports at Daytona. Justin Algar, a fantastic driver on the super speedways. So uh, it could be open game here. And then Sam took, as you mentioned, Austin Sendrick. So those are the picks that we have I here with our those. fan for racing. <laughs> What's that? I, I can't believe I hit all of our picks in that. That was totally random. I really thought maybe you were going down the list. <laughs> I didn't even have the list. Um, okay, so so yeah, that's that's pretty cool. Um, and and I do think fans are going to see 
a uh, great race at uh, Daytona this weekend. I wanted to go down average starts or average finishes here. Uh, average starts, one start, Christian Eckes, of course, has the highest one. Uh, Grant Infinger has a, a 9.0 uh, average start and five races. Uh, Todd Gilliland in one race, a start of third, but I don't think he's in this race this weekend, right? And not in the Xfinity, no. Uh, Sheldon Creed has a 6.0. Wait a second, I'm looking at I'm looking at the wrong list that, here. Are you still on there? As I say, are you still on the Truck Series? Yeah, I'm on the Truck Series list. Let me go here. Okay, let me go down the list here. AJ Allmendinger, who's not in this. Oh yes, he is. He's in this race, right? For Colleg Racing, yep. he's got a 2.0 yep. average start, so he's the one to keep an eye on this weekend. Uh, and that is in one start. Uh, Joe Graff Jr. one start has a 6.0 starting finish, or starting uh, average. And uh, the rest are not that great. Chase Briscoe's 10.0. That's in two starts. Uh, 11.0 in one start is Riley Erbst. So, yeah, Daytona is one of those tracks. It's kind of hard to look at the average start because uh, anything can happen in these in these, in these these races at the super speedways. Well, with with, with you get, just gave us, and I did consider him, one that maybe does win it that I don't think we had in our picks would be A.J. Allmendinger. When you look at his history of – Cup Series. Mm-hmm. He was a great super speedway racing. We saw what he did with his start there at Daytona last year for college racing. So that might be the one that got away from us all. Oh, yeah. We'll have to wait and see. I, I think he'll definitely be con- up there contending and uh, would not surprise me if he does uh, take the win at Daytona. And it is kind of surprising that none of, none of us picked him up. Um Anything else you think we should mention here about the Xfinity Series before we move on to the Cup Series? Uh, as far as this race itself, no. Again, like I said, I got some, a couple things that I think are going to fall more under the hot topics for the entire season. But um, I, I would have to say, again, I know no super speedway, anybody can win it. But I would truly say there are 30 strong enough teams that really are going to be contenders uh, no matter what the wreck situation. So, Okay, let's move on to the Daytona 500. Uh, that race is going to take place on Sunday. That is the official uh, kickoff to the season for the um, uh, NASCAR Cup Series, and uh, they are going to be racing – well, the duels, as we mentioned, at Daytona, that's Thursday. That starts at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, it will be broadcast on Fox Sports 1. The Daytona 500 is Sunday. That will be broadcast on Fox. So you'll want to look at your uh, Fox affiliate for that race. That will take place at 10.30 p.m. Eastern time. And uh, the radio coverage will be on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR radio. Now, um, let's look at the entry list. Let me see. Well, we've kind of gone over the entry list already, haven't we? Yeah, with the dual lineups, um, obviously those are the teams. Again, always some great storylines. And I, me personally, I think the duels 
are some of the most interesting races uh, in the year for several reasons. Uh, I know we've got some of our picks up um, already. Your pole sitters at front row don't want to wreck their car and make sure they start the 500 up front. you got open teams that are racing for spots into the race. And then the rest of it is determining your starting position as well as working on your car for the 500 and getting it right and knowing what you can and can't do without wrecking it. Mhm. That that is true. Uh and and we've already kind of talked about this too because in the clash a lot of guys wrecked their backup car uh for the 500 and they've either had to have another car sent in or they're going to have to do without a backup going into that Daytona 500. Uh but I want to talk about some of the uh driver ratings. Uh, for the drivers that will be in this race. Some of the highest driver ratings come from Ricky Stenhouse Jr., who's going to be in that number 47 car uh, on Sunday. Uh, his high rating at Daytona is at 111.5. His average rating there, the highest of the field, is 94.7. Uh, but this is one of those tracks you're either going to do really, really well or you can end up with a do-not-finish. And so his average finish comes in at 20.8. But he also, it's kind of like Babe Ruth. He struck out as as many times as he hit a home run. Um, so right now he's rolling on the high side of that. Uh, Alex Bowman is second in line there in that number 88 car. Uh, his average finish, though, is a little bit higher at 14.8. His high rating is 101.3. His average rating... 91.7, uh, second highest of all everyone in the field this weekend. Well, and I think with Alex Bowman, what you'd have to look at is his starting position. I know, again, can be some issues with having that front row car, uh, so we'll have to see how they play it in duel number two and what they set up for four to 500. I know we heard Jimmy Johnson talk about their car needing to take a little bit different direction for the duel and the 500. So we'll have to see how the uh, top car there of uh, Alex Bowman, what they need to adjust so that he can run well during this duel and then into the 500. Well, it does make sense that those guys are both on the front row for duel one and duel two, and they will be on the front row for the uh, Daytona 500. So uh, the two guys with the highest average rating. Uh, behind them is Ryan Blaney at 90.3 and Joy Logano at 89.8. Uh, Joy has the better average finish between those two, uh, and it's actually uh, – not quite as good as Alex Bowman's, but uh, better than the other two at 18.0. So uh, another couple of drivers uh, that could do well at Daytona this weekend. And I think the uh, additional factor there for Ryan Blaney is Team Penske. We've seen that organization do some great things. I know there's a little bit to discuss about the clash for that team, but new mm-hmm. crew chief, I think Ryan Blaney, again, I believe all our picks now for the uh, duels are in. Uh, the 500 will be determined after that when we uh, get that wrapped up. But Ryan Blaney is one of those that, and I don't even want to say a dark horse or a surprise winner, but I think could be one that maybe some people are overlooking. Okay. Uh, now, I want to kind of go down the list here. Uh, the next two are Kevin Harvick and Jimmy Johnson. Uh, Jimmy has the better average finish there of 183 
but they come in at 87.1 and 84.3. Uh, but here's a stat that I think, and somebody who could be a dark horse this weekend, uh, the driver with the best average finish at Daytona is Ryan Newman at 8.8. So I would say that makes him one to keep your eye on this weekend as well. He was one of the survivors in the clash, I think. There you go, honey. Right, one of the survivors. And I did hear him talk a little bit about his average at Daytona. I was hoping maybe the rest of the fan federation group wasn't listening. That might be a surprise pick when it comes to the 500 picks. <laughs> hmm. Okay, so... Just some stats for fans to be aware of as you're choosing your fantasy picks uh, for this weekend. All right, uh, let's listen. Let me see if I've got some audio here uh, from Ryan Newman because I think he is overlooked uh, sometimes. And I do have some audio here. Again, we'll listen to just a question or two uh, depending on how long it takes here. And uh, I've not listened to these ahead of time, so I apologize if there's a little uh, inactivity in the beginning, but uh, we will get to the questions as quickly as possible. So here we go, Ryan Newman. Uh, He'll be driving the number six for Roush Fenway Racing Ford at Daytona this weekend. I'd be happy to make myself available for an autograph, but that's all I got planned. I mean, I'll sign something for him yeah, if he, well, he doesn't make it. Now, yeah. 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 Well, I mean, we got a history, so we're good. No. We'll see. I don't pay attention to that stuff. I think every fan that we can get to the racetrack is an important one. Oh, I'm not worried about that. Everybody's if if that's the case and everybody gets a little fudge time, that's fine with me. I like fudge. We'll see if we can get to a good question. <laughs> a question about the Daytona race. I never raced this Grand Prix. So I can't talk about it. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I think it'll be a lot of more respect and a lot uh, different mentality with just the fact that, um, you know, it is our 500 cars. Um, and obviously a lot of people kind of watch and learn, and you get that um, preseason excitement out of the way of people that um, either thought they knew how to drive better than they do or forgot how to drive, which seemed to happen in both ways to the same person at times. Okay, so there's there you have it from Ryan Newman. Uh, he thinks that uh, drivers are going to be a little more tame during the duels than they were during the clash uh, and show a lot more respect to one another. Your thoughts about that, Jay? Well, most certainly. I mean, the clash is obviously kind of like the all-star race, winner take all. I know we talked about that and drivers talked about that, how to change up that format. So, there definitely is more on the line when it comes to the duels, but you also can't just hang back because you've got to know what your car is going to do under race conditions 
in the pack, trying to make moves. Uh, you know, we saw Denny Hamlin do that, lap down, pushing his teammate to the wind, still made a move at the end of that yep. clash. I think that was just to see what his car would do when he pulled out a line from behind somebody. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a very good point. Uh, so it will be interesting to see uh, what happens there. Um now, I also wanted to talk about, Jay, uh, the rookies that will uh, be racing in the Daytona 500 in the cup race for the first time. Uh, in most of those cases, we're talking about the big six, uh, uh, three of which are the big three last year from uh, the Xfinity series. Uh, we're talking uh, uh, Christopher Bell, Tyler Reddick, and Cole Custer. Uh, what are your thoughts about those three, first of all, but then we've also got the other uh, rookies that will be in here. Uh, I know Brennan Poole is one of them. Uh, who are the other guys? Quinn Huff is uh, John, another one. And then and John, John Hunter Nemechek. Yes. Well, when you break down again what came the big three from the Xfinity Series are obviously going to be the most talked about and uh, with the better funded teams. So you're kind of looking at them, not that John Hunter Nemechek, Quinn Huff um, can't do anything, especially when it comes to Daytona. The one advantage in this case that I give to Tyler Reddick for this race is he was in last year's Daytona 500 in a third Richard Childress racing car. So I think he has a little bit of an advantage having made a Daytona 500 start already. However, we've seen, especially when it comes to working together as a team, that Toyotas do that so very well, as well as Stuart Haas racing with the Ford. So Cole Custer and uh, Christopher Bell with Levine Family Racing kind of have the advantage there of, of those teams have obviously shown they, they will get together, line up, and hold true to each other as far as pushing a teammate or supporting whatever teammate is the best running. So. Uh, it's really, again, I, I hate to say crapshoot, but it really kind of is. Um, I think all of them do have a great chance of having a very good performance in the 500. Okay, I would agree. I think that uh, uh, there is a, a, a great opportunity uh, for these guys in the 500, uh, especially for their first race in the Cup Series. This is a good race for the rookies to be a part of because, as we've mentioned, uh, a lot can happen, and that means uh, that even some of the ones that are uh, rookies uh, can have an opportunity to win this race. And I think back to, I forget what year it is, I want to say 2011 when Trevor Bain won, and he was in disbelief that he was able to pull off that victory. Well, and the fact that you mentioned that one, the Wood Brothers team there, we got Matt DiBenedetto in the Wood Brothers 21 yes. this year. We know he's been a great super speedway racer. Pairing him up with the Wood Brothers, they're a teammate to Penske Racing Teams, which I already talked about. So right there, you could see the Wood Brothers, number 21, get their 100th win. Absolutely. So, uh, again, we've got a lot to look forward to with this race. Uh, another driver I want to kind of throw into this mix is Daniel Suarez. Uh, we know that he was he's had some really good runs last year, uh, but he was uh, 
uh, moved out of uh, Stuart Hawes Racing. He's now racing for Gaunt Brothers Racing. And uh, uh, I think that uh, there could be some opportunities for him this year uh, with that organization. But he's got to race his way into this race, first of all, in the uh, duels. Because he doesn't have a charger. It is one that, yeah, hit on several topics there that, yeah, again, we've got to wait some hot <laughs> topics, but he does have to race his way in. I, I think of the teams there, and, again, I don't want to downgrade anybody's opportunity or what they've done to get right. where they're at, but I do believe that the, tw- the Dantosaurus in the 96 uh, Gaunt Brothers team has the best team to get Daniel Suarez into the race. That doesn't mean it'll happen. He will have to race his way in. But I know they also did a uh, covered this on one of the one of the programs. Daniel Suarez has been in some top rides. That pressure to win and perform, being in a top ride, he doesn't have that right now. So that actually might allow him to relax a little bit and thus maybe even run a little bit better because he's not feeling that absolute pressure to win. That team is going to look at a top twenty or top fifteen, top ten finish as a win. So I think that maybe that release of, relieving of that pressure might actually help them and him perform even better than he has. Okay. Okay, that's cool. Um, and and uh, it will be interesting. I think, you know, the first chance to watch him is obviously going to be uh, during the duels, and uh, we certainly hope that Daniel does move on uh, from the duels to the um, – uh, Daytona 500 this weekend, um, but uh, just something to be aware of going into the duels that he will have to really race his way into the event. Well, and again, I'll throw it out there even now in case anybody's listening. As we get to hot topics, the question would be: Is does Toyota help him as another Toyota team to help him get in to the 500? Ah, that's interesting. (laughs) Yeah, that's a tough one to answer because Toyota right now, uh, with some of these teams switching over and and they have probably fewer cars. Do they have the fewest number of cars uh, between the manufacturers? They always do. They they do. Yes. Yeah. So. That's one thing, although we know that the development program is outstanding, uh, that's the one thing that I think does hurt them uh, looking forward to this season is the fact that they have fewer cars uh, than Ford. Ford right now has the most cars, and I think that's going to help Ford overall, uh, especially for this season. And and anybody that wants to argue that, though? Just look at last year, 19 wins for Toyota as a manufacturer with the fewest mm-hmm. amount of teams. So. Yeah, that's true. That's that's a good point. Okay, now just looking at some of the format here, uh, for the truck series, uh, there's a, three stages. They'll be racing 250 miles. Uh, the first stage will be end on lap 20. The second stage at 40 and the last stage on the last lap, which is lap 100. For the Xfinity Series, it's first stage lap 30, second stage lap 60. They'll be racing 120 laps, so that's when the third stage ends. That's 300 miles. The first duel and the second duel, it's a total of 60 laps 
uh, for those races. That's 150 miles. And then for the Daytona 500, uh, the breakdown is uh, first stage ends on lap 65, second uh, stage ends on lap 130, and the race ends at uh, lap 200, a total of 500 miles. Now, that precludes any overtimes that uh, may or may not happen. May or may not happen. I'd put, I'd put odds on the over <laughs> if you're a betting man in Vegas there. <laughs> I was being nice. Uh, pit road speed is, uh, for all three races, is 55 miles per hour, and the caution vehicle speed is 70 miles per hour on the track. That is for all three of those races uh, that are taking place, all three series. Uh, the tire allocation for this week uh, in the Cup Series, let's see here. They'll get uh, three, three for practice, one for qualifying. Their P&Q practice and qualifying total is four tires. Uh, new tires for the race, eight. Qualifying set for the race, one. And that gives them a total of nine. Uh, total event tire sets will be 12. So that's for the uh, Cup Series. Uh, for the Trucks and the Xfinity Series, they'll get uh, uh, four for practice, qualifying, and the race. And uh, that's going to be it. So interesting breakdown there on the tire allocation for this weekend at Daytona. And that's something that I know a lot of people express displeasure with, uh, different strategies that are played out during races, whether it be fuel mileage or tire management. Uh, but I think does add in a different aspect and uh, interesting um, concept to any race, no matter what it be. And we've seen, obviously, the stage breakdowns changes that and how they do that, the tires and uh, fuel play into that as well but we've seen some teams especially these teams that if they have a solid car but don't have the top car take advantage of that and put themselves in position just kind of glancing down there real quick when we were talking about the driver uh entry list you know justin haley won the july daytona race there because he was out front when it got uh rained out now they put themselves in that position to take that chance so Tires and fuel could be an opportunity for some of these teams to take that chance, put themselves in position, and if they get that win, then they deserve it. Absolutely. Now, we have several drivers that were at the uh, uh, media day today. Is there any one particular driver you want to make sure we hear from before we uh, close out this segment of the show? I know. I, I, again, I do have favorite drivers, but I, I think all of them, all the ones I saw already, I know uh, great interviews. Again, and it's what I saw was a lot of these these drivers that were relaxed and having a good time. Once the season ramps up, and I know we saw it already with uh, actually, why don't if you got Brad Keselowski and or Joey Logano, because uh, I know that's going to come up in hot topics as well. Okay, yeah, uh, I've actually got both, so let's see if we can listen. Uh, I've got Brad Keselowski here first. I don't know how far into the interview they get into that subject, uh, so we'll listen to just the first part of this. Um, and I do have Joey Logano, too, so let's start with Brad Keselowski. Let me see if I can find him again here. There he is. Okay, we'll start with Brad Keselowski. He'll be in the number two 
for Team Pinsky this weekend. And again, I apologize for the delay in the recording. Okay, I think they're bringing them in now, so. Okay, here we go. I am okay with Joey, yep. <laughs> we both said some hurtful things over gonna, the past, so. I was going to say, a year ago, uh, yeah, you were, yeah. Um, yeah. did you give Brad some pointers on how to get back in Joey's good graces? Yeah, Joey's a softy, though. You know, not on the racetrack, but off the racetrack. So, you just got to go up to him and say, hey, man, you're an idiot sometimes, too. You know, it happens. <laughs> yeah, so it always comes back around one way or another. I'm glad you made that. <laughs> okay. Uh, thoughts about his comments there? It sounds like they've kissed and made up. I I do. I mean, and I think that, you know, that obviously as a team for the year, they had to uh, and get it worked out. But I do think there is still some underlying things there, and I think it could play out not only through this season but into the future. And, again, I know it will come up during hot topics, which we still got ten minutes to wait on. Um, and I didn't get to hear Joey's response, so I'm waiting to hear his audio. Okay, let's uh, well let's bring him up next here, uh, Joey Logano, and he'll be in the number 22 again for Team Penske uh, this weekend for the Daytona 500. No, I stay here. Yeah, I stay. I always stay. If I stay in. Um, yeah, I'm almost. I'm almost better though. Almost there. You sick yet? We sat in that room doing that interview for an hour. You're all right. Mm. My kid woke up with us this morning. That's a bad day. <laughs> We've talked, and um, yeah, I think so. See, I mean, we're going to have different opinions on a lot of things all the time. It's part of racing and, and things like that, but I think we'll be fine. Okay, there you have it from Joey Logano. Uh, I, I think I did listen to this interview earlier today. This is one of the ones that I did listen to. And uh, I remember him saying, uh, you know, you got to remember this is in the heat of the moment right after the race that you're getting a microphone <laughs> shoved into your face. And sometimes you say things that you later on you look at it and you see things a lot but a lot differently once you've been able to actually look at the video and a lot of times those guys have not had the chance to look at the video when they're you know kind of reacting in the moment uh so i thought that that was good observations to make too uh and we've we've made those observations before uh i don't think that's anything new but uh, sometimes we forget that or we have that momentary lapse of that knowledge uh, in the heat of the moment as well. So, But it sounds like uh, they're all good. Well, a couple of things that I take from there, and there's so many underlying factors here. Um, the crew chief change, change up there at yes. Team Penske. The position in, as far as running position, if you will, from where Brad was at when he was uh, prior to Joey getting there to Joey being the one to bring the most recent championship and I think has been a stronger contender as of late. This is a contract year for Brad Keselowski. So I think there's a lot of things. And what I took from those two interviews, though, Brad Keselowski said he wasn't going to say anything. I felt like he still had more to say. 
Joey said he thinks they're okay. He didn't say they were okay. He said he thinks they're going to be okay. You know, so that tells me there's still (laughs) something there. Okay. Well, well, time will tell. I'm like you. I think there's still some underlying things that are going on at Team Penske. I think one of the biggest underlying things is that crew chief swap. Uh, And I don't think it was just the crew chief that swapped. It might have been the whole team that swapped out. And uh, I think that there might be uh, some feelings about that uh, more on one side than the other. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how that continues to play out this season, especially if one team uh, is uh, significantly better than the other uh, as the season progresses. So you're right. I think we're going to have to see how that plays out and how it unfolds as the season unfolds. Uh, But I think that uh, I think that for Brad Keselowski going into these races, uh, especially at Daytona, blocking is an issue. Uh, and we know that Keselowski plays his own games. He's he's a master at the restarts and playing games during the restarts uh, and frustrating people with the way he restarts races. So, you know, they each have their own own things there. But um, uh, I think that, that he's he already had it in his head that he doesn't like the blocking that takes place uh, in these events. Uh, but we've all seen him block, too, and have some incidents with other drivers uh, on those super speedways as well. One in particular uh, that comes to my mind, and I know this is when he was younger, but is that Carl Edwards incident where he was up in the catch fence. That was with well, Brad Keselowski. You know, and that one, too, though, that was, a, that was right after the yellow line implementation. Um, yeah. Going back to that, for fans that don't remember it, that was when NASCAR said you could not go below the yellow line. Um, so Brad didn't. Carl came across the hood, and yeah, Brad said he felt bad about it. He said, but it cost Regan Smith the race uh, the year prior when he went below the line and Tony Stewart got the win, and he felt like he mm-hmm. he was pushed down there. So Brad said, "Hey, I did what I was supposed to. I stayed above the line." Um, we have mm-hmm. seen him even in the Daytona at Talladega and these the clash and the duels do some blocking. I do think Brad is better at it, um, so he feels like maybe that there was a bad block because it caused an accident. I really I mm-hmm. watched that replay multiple times. It wasn't I don't a block. feel like the that exactly. <laughs> I and I don't know you know I know Kyle still had his opinion and we, we've heard from Brad. I really don't think a block is what caused that, though. That was one of those of just the way the air is. When Kyle went to get below him, the air shifted the car, mm-hmm. and the accident happened. I don't feel like Joey threw a bad block there. Well, and I think Kyle Busch also made the statement he was not aware that uh, Denny Hamlin was that close to him below him. And so when he went to take that spot, uh, he was not aware there was somebody that close to him. He was not aware of the presence of Denny Hamlin, and I think that contributed to that whole incident as well. It most certainly does, and as a, several of the driver analysts on TV talk about, this is at 200 miles an hour. You have less exactly. than a split second to make these decisions. So when it comes, not to say there's never been mistakes made on super speedway racing, but you really do have to give, you got the drivers, spotters are trying to help. I know people want to point the finger at spotters saying, why didn't the spotter tell him this? Again, 
there's only so much you can watch. There's only so much you can do. Whether the driver hears it or not, again, you got that split second to process it and react to it. So, mm-hmm. not saying and you should always keep do in a mind free pass. Too, Daytona is one of those tracks where you have more than one spotter. You don't have just one spotter calling the shots for the entire track. You've got, and I believe, oh, I might be thinking of a different incident, but I'm, didn't all of that happen on the back stretch? Oh, ooh, where did that happen? I can't recall right now, but um, there is more than one spotter at tracks like Daytona and Talladega. So, you know, it's the handoff between the spotters that kind of plays into all of this as well. I know I know there is still the main one on the roof, but you're right. If it was on the back stretch, then you're talking about it being a mile and a half away across the speedway. Um, and I, I think they do have other ones, but they're not as high and obviously in as good a position. So, and again, they always say, you know, well, it's, it's fi- the final decision up to the driver. He's got the steering wheel. But again, that split second at 200 miles an hour, you know, give a give them a little bit of leeway. Exactly. Bottom line here is we have a lot to look forward to in both the dual races for the Cup Series as well as the Daytona 500 uh, that will be taking place on Sunday. And uh, uh, we've also got our truck race that's running Friday night and the Xfinity race on Saturday afternoon. A full weekend of uh, some great racing at Daytona International Speedway, and uh, I, this is what we've been looking forward to the entire off-season. It's here, and the racing season for the 2020 season is getting started. So that's all good news for uh, all of us, right? It is indeed. And if Andy isn't on yet while well, you're waiting to bring him on to he the is. show, Oh, okay. Yep, well, go ahead and here. bring him in, and then we'll talk about our picks. Okay, it's time now for a hot topic sound off. Uh, but before we get into that, as Jay mentioned, uh, we want to bring our co-host uh, Andy Lasky into the queue here. Andy, welcome to the show. Well, as always, thanks, Sharon. Hi, Jay. How you doing tonight? We're doing I'm all right. We, did, we had no programming notes for our show tonight. I think we did all right, Jay. Oh, yeah, I was a piece of cake. Nothing to it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I know, Jay, you've got uh, the picks here for the Daytona 500 from our fantasy games. So uh, we're going to get into that before we get into the hot topics as well. All right, yeah, throughout the show there, uh, I did hear from James, and then I followed, and Andy picked up his. So for duel number one, Again, not fearing what happened in the clash, Sharon went with one of her favorites, if not the favorite, Martin Truex. <laughs> Sam went with Chase Elliott. Now, I think on everything I've posted, I do think he's one of the ones I would pick to win the 500. So, James got the one I think is the favorite, if you will, Denny Hamlin. Again, I'm also not afraid of what happened in the clash. I'm going with Joey Logano. Andy went with Stuart Haas racing. However, it was Eric Almarola that he went with in duel number one. Now, for duel number two, uh, Sharon started. You started this off strong there with Kevin Harvick. Uh, again, you can't count him out. Sam went with William Byron, so he's got both Hendrick cars. I think that's a great pick. James took Alex Bowman, which uh, again is maybe questionable depending on what he decides to do in that race. But he's also got Hamlin, so I think he'll come out all right. Uh, my second pick for Duel 2, 
again, I think Kyle Busch, we've seen him strong at Daytona for the duel anyway. I don't know about the 500. That's eluded him, but I think he's going to do okay in the duel. And Andy, sticking with Stuart Haas Racing, went with the rookie Cole Custer. So some interesting and uh, fun picks there. Yeah, I, I, that was uh, caught me a little off guard, but you can't argue against it either. Okay, well, like all good picks, I it's, think. It's fun to gamble, and if there's ever a time to do it, it's in the duels. And I guess my thought process um, was Eric Almarola is, is really good at super speedway racing. I think he'll absolutely be a factor in that first race. And, you know, why not go with a rookie and Cole because he's in a really good car and he's got a really good teammate in that race with Kevin Harvick. If they can stay teamed up together, he might turn some heads and it's going to be a great opportunity for him to, to learn and get some more experience in that cup car. So, you know, me, I like to gamble a lot through the season and uh, we'll start it out with Cole. Can't wait to see what they do tomorrow. All right. So uh, with that, uh, let's go ahead and get into our hot topics for tonight and Andy, you're going to kick it off with the first topic. Yeah, I kind of wanted to touch base on uh, GMS Racing's revamped lineup for its Truck Series program. Uh, a lot of changes and, and some expansion. Uh, they shut down their Xfinity car, but in doing so, they kind of re-upped their truck program more in line of what we, we've always known it to be, which is a, a four-truck operation. Sheldon Creed returns and uh, Brett Moffitt returns, but we'll have a new crew chief this year. He'll have Chad Norris as his new crew chief, and then also they brought in um, – Zane Smith for a full season uh, teamed up with veteran crew chief Kevin Mannion and then they also brought in Tyler Ankrum which I thought was an intriguing move he'll have um, Chad Walter as his crew chief so it's nice to see that team um, staying invested in the truck series and and get back to being a four truck team so curious what you both thought about that I thought it was a really good thing for not only that team but also the, the truck series in general okay Jay go ahead and kick it off on your end I got mixed feelings about that. Obviously, a little a little sad to see them shut down the Xfinity program, um, but I don't know their finances. Again, they have been very solid in the truck series, so if that's where their bread and butter is, what they did with that truck team, I certainly like that for that series, for that team, for a couple of the drivers that, that got mentioned there, uh, Tyler Ankrum specifically, so and uh, Zane Smith getting a full-time ride. I love those opportunities for them with that team. Obviously a great team. Uh, like I said, I'm just a little disappointed, I guess, that, that the uh, Xfinity Series program did go away. Hopefully that's a short-term thing as they get solid on the trucks again. Maybe they'll bring that back. Um, but I know we saw that they did have an entry there in the uh, Arkham and RG Series um, and continuing the developmental program. So more good than, than bad, if you will. Um, like I said, just a little disappointed to see the Xfinity Series team go away. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, it's disappointing to see that happen, but at the same time, I do think it's good that they're putting a focus on the the Truck Series and making sure uh, that they can get everything they can get from that Truck Series with some really good drivers. Uh, you know, Sheldon Creed uh, is going to be – uh, in that number uh, two uh, for GMS Racing, uh, you mentioned uh, Zane Smith uh, racing uh, in uh, with GMS. 
Uh, he'll be in the number 21 truck. Kevin Mannion is his crew chief. Uh, let me go back and see the crew chief here for um, uh, Sheldon Creed. Jeff Stankowitz, we know he's a good crew chief, a championship winning crew chief. Uh, that's going to be good for Sheldon Creed, I think. Uh, and then um, we mentioned Zane Smith with Kevin Mannion, another good crew chief there. And uh, you've got Sam Mayer and uh, David Gravel possibly driving the number 24 uh, for GMS racing in the truck series. And then Tyler Ankrum with Chad Walter in the number 26. So I think uh, it's going to be interesting to see what all three of those guys do in a truck this year. I'm, I'm really happy for Tyler Ankrum. Uh, because it looks like he's going to have a full-time ride this season. Last year, if you recall, he did not have uh, a full-time season. He made the most of it. I think he was the only uh, rookie. He made Rookie of the Year last year, uh, being the only rookie to make it into the playoffs last year, and he did not even have a full season. So it's really good that he's being rewarded with a full season this year uh, with GMS Racing. So, uh uh, I'm interested in knowing what your thoughts are, Andy. Well, I, I like to see depth in the truck series, and I, I think that, you know, GMS is has established itself as one of the top teams in that series. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, having four full-time entries along with a, a part-time entry is going to bring, you know, several good trucks and teams to the track each week. So I like their investment in the truck series, and I like – you know, their investment in bringing up and coming drivers um, into the series, you know, to, to hone their skills and contend for wins and championships. Uh, they have really good equipment. Um, they've established themselves as a, as a top contending team. And I like that they've given opportunities to, um, you know, not only continue development with Sheldon Creed, but also bringing in um, a veteran and Brett Moffat, you know, a former series champion, um, two-time champion for that matter. And, you know, he can establish himself as a strong leader for that team and, and help his young teammates as they grow and develop. Um, I think it's a great opportunity for Zane Smith as well as Tyler Ankrum. Uh, Tyler, you know, did a really good job driving for DGR Crosley last year. And I think that, mm-hmm. you know, getting into a full-time truck this season, um, you know, he, he may turn some heads and, and really prove to be, um, one of the ones to watch on a weekly basis. So I'm excited to see their development, uh, can, you know, grow and, and continue and see some growth for the truck program. I agree with Jay in the sense that it's it's disappointing to see them shutter the Xfinity team, but we can only hope that that's a temporary situation. And, um, you know, hopefully they'll get back into the Xfinity series one day and possibly even the Cup series. But um, excited to see them uh, back and, and with a full four-truck team, and uh, it's going to be fun to watch. Any follow-up, Jay? No, I, I think, again, like you said, I mentioned, I mean, they're a championship contending team, all four teams um, every year as they have been the past several. So I uh, certainly would expect him to be again this year. And, again, you're right. Zane Smith getting a full-time ride. Tyler Ankrum getting an opportunity to run the full year um, in top equipment. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw what he did last year, so – certainly should be a contender as well again this year. So I think they are sitting really good with that truck series team. And and just to kind of piggyback on that, if you don't mind, uh, we've been talking a lot about the rookie uh, of the year class in the cup series. 
<clears throat> and how exciting that's going to be to watch. Excuse me, just a minute. <coughs> if you look at the rookies that are going to be in the Gander Outdoor Truck Series this year, that's going to be another exciting Rookie of the Year uh, class as well. You've got Tate Fogelman in the number two, Raphael Lassard in the number four, Tanner Gray in the number 15, Christian Eckes in the 18, Derek Krause in the 19, Zane Smith in that number 21, and Ty Majeski in the number 45. They've got Spencer Davis listed here, but they don't have a truck number uh, listed for him. Uh, that is a stout Rookie of the Year class. <clears throat> Any thoughts there, Andy? Oh, absolutely. It is a stout class. And, you know, the touch base on, on Christian Eck is, um, I, I thought that he was was pretty competitive last year in the limited starts that he made driving for Kyle Busch Motorsports. And to have him um, get a full-time ride with that team this year, uh, I think he's going to be one to watch. And he's got Rudy Fugel on the pit box, and we know how good of a crew chief he is. He's one of the best in that series. So that that could be a very potent combination and certainly someone to watch. So um, and like you mentioned, a lot of other really good rookies and good trucks. So it's going to be um, it's going to be quite a battle, I think, for rookie of the year this year in the truck series. Jay, that again, I mean, as big as we talked about the Cup Series one with the Xfinity, a big three from the Xfinity moving up and being part of the six person, six driver uh, Cup rookie class. This truck one, uh, I think, is going to be just as competitive and interesting to watch this year, without a doubt. Uh, I, I wouldn't even at this point be able to say I could pick a favorite. <laughs> it's hard. I, Christian Eckes, I think, has to be up there as one of the favorites uh, going into the truck series for all the reasons that uh, Andy just mentioned, how well he did in the limited number of starts that he had last year. But I, I do think that it's very possible that we'll see a lot of these guys uh, developed throughout the season, and by the end, by the time we get to the end of the season, I think it's going to be a battle uh, between a lot of these drivers, uh, and uh, uh, I can't wait to see how this unfolds because I think it's going to be a tight points battle for the the rookie of the year. <clears throat> okay, Jay, did you have a hot topic? Uh, let me pick one of many here. Uh, we'll, we'll go in. We'll we'll start at the Cup Series level here. Uh, we talked a little bit about Eric Jones winning the Bush Clash uh, again. Part of it being survival of the fittest, if you will. But there is an article article up on jski.com. Uh, actually, going to kind of link a couple of them together here. Um, last year, going into last year, concern was about Denny Hamlin with Christopher Bell on the horizon whether or not Denny Hamlin would be in his seat for the following year. He came out, had a stellar year. That shifted over to Eric Jones, whether or not he'd be replaced. If you want to race, John, or Bell went to the Levine family racing, but there's still that question, and Eric Jones is in a contract year, kind of on that hot seat again. He comes out, wins the first race of the year. The article on jayski.com says that Eric Jones has stated that he has every intention of being at, and I'm trying to pull that article up, uh, had no plans to leave Joe Gibbs Racing. So uh, is Jones on the hot seat? And with the follow-up to that, of the drivers I can name, Brad Keselowski, Eric Jones, Kyle Larson, Matt DiBenedetto, and Bubba Wallace, all in contract years. And there's an open seat in the 48 at Hendrick Motorsports. 
Interesting. Uh, Jay, uh, Andy, I mean. Yeah, I think it's it's really interesting that uh, we're already you know hearing about contract speculation and the season hasn't even started yet. So it's you know silly season getting started a little early this year, I suppose. Um, you know, I think that there's when you look at Toyota Racing and their development program and all the young talent they have. Um, you know, I think there's always a lot of pressure on on their drivers when they do get to the Cup Series because. You know, with so few cars and with so much talent, you either have to perform or you you get ousted, you know. And so um, I think Aaron Jones has had a decent cup career, but if you compare his stats to what his teammates have been able to do, he's definitely been, um, for lack of a better term, he's kind of been the weak link, you know. And I hate to say that, but it is true. So um, you have to wonder if this isn't some kind of a, a year in which, you know, they've got to get out there and, and win some more races and perform, you know, and that's not to say they've been bad, you know, they, um, you know, they've been fortunate to reach victory lane and, and make the playoffs, but, um, you know, you know, when they did win a race uh, in 18 and 19, but you have to wonder if, you know, this is a year, especially with Christopher Bell um, now in the 95 car, and you'd have to believe that, he's a candidate to, to get into a Gibbs cup car at some point. Um, you have to wonder if the pressure isn't on and, you know, I'm sure he puts plenty of, of pressure on himself and, and make no mistake, you know, he's had a good career to this point, but I, I do believe there is pre- there is pressure for him to get out there and, and have a good season for sure. Yeah. I, I get the feeling that Eric Jones, if there's anybody who's putting pressure on Eric Jones, it would be him. Um, because he wants to go out there and perform. There's no part of Eric Jones that doesn't want to go out there and and have a good run. He's he's against some very tough competition in his teammates, uh, but he is the youngest driver of that group and uh, developing as a driver within that group. He took a car that was so beat up, <laughs> and uh, due to the attrition that took place in that clash, uh, and with the help of Denny Hamlin, he was able to win that race. Uh, so that's no small feat when you think about it. And for a while, he he uh, kept his car fairly clean. Um, uh, who was it? Somebody. Oh, it was Austin Dillon. Austin Dillon's car looked so great at the end of that race, and then he got caught up in an event as well. So Daytona's just one of those tracks that that's going to happen. But uh I, there probably is some pressure, but I think that um, Eric Jones probably put some of that pressure on himself uh, because he wants to, he wants to do uh, well and he wants to keep his ride at Joe Gibbs Racing, uh, which is why he has no plans to leave there. Um, and uh, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how the year continues to unfold for Eric Jones. Uh, I know he's a good driver. I've seen him. He's got a good attitude as well. One of the things that was so revealing to me about Eric Jones, and I brought this example up a few times, is at Chicagoland Speedway when everybody was complaining about the bumps over in turn three and how difficult those bumps were to navigate. Uh, Eric Jones won that race, and I asked him afterwards in the media center uh, his thoughts about those bumps over in turn three, and his he revealed his his positive attitude uh, in his answer. He said, uh, "We've all got to navigate those bumps, and my it's my job to figure out how to navigate those bumps 
so that I can get the best finish. And and that's basically what everybody has to do. So while others were complaining about why it was holding them back, Eric Jones was figuring out how to get around there uh, to be able to win that race. And I, I just think that reveals a lot about his attitude and how serious he is about racing. So um, I, I'm not worried about Eric Jones. I think he's going to be okay. Any follow-ups there? Well, was any was anybody worried about Daniel Suarez, both at Joe Gibbs Racing and <laughs> Stuart Haas Racing? I mean, yeah, and that's what that's I got to look at. You know, um, I, I think there, there there is some there, but however, he has won his races uh, each year, and he has run top five. Uh, I know they had the one, two, three sweep at Daytona um, last year, mm-hmm. so. But you also have Christopher Bell, and I know Eric Jones is one that they invested a lot in all the way from super late models when he ran against Kyle Busch in the Kyle Busch Motorsports for the uh, Snowball Derby, through the Truck Series Xfinity, and into the uh, Cup. But we've seen that with Daniel Suarez, and we're seeing it with Christopher Bell now. Again, it comes down to that, what we talked about a little bit earlier. Toyota, when it gets to the top level, Toyota is limited in the number of teams. So where do you go with all these drivers you're developing? You know, so I do have a little bit of concern for him. The one there, switching gears just a little bit, that concerns me or interests me the most there is Brad Keselowski. And I think back to we just saw Chris Buescher return to Roush Fenway when they said they had him out on loan. Uh, Brad Keselowski was a Hendrick Motorsports driver. When he went to Penske, Hendrick made the statement, he will come back to us. And with mm. what we've seen already from the clash, the tension there we talked about, the crew chief change they have for this year, him being in a contract year, makes you wonder. Are you are you talking 48? <laughs> I'm just saying it makes you wonder. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Andy, your follow-up? Yeah, that's a, that's another good rumor for sure. And it's something that I have – I've also seen that floated around that uh, there is that potential – you know, for Kozlowski to make a move, and I, I think that this is a this is a year in which there will be some pretty significant moves. I think that you know you've got some veterans that this will probably be their last year. I know Johnson for sure is his last year. There's probably others that we don't know about yet. So um, I think there's going to be you know we thought last year's silly season was crazy. I would expect this year might be even worse. You know, and it'll be. It'll be interesting, and that would certainly be a very intriguing move, especially as long as as Brad's driven for Team Penske if he were to go back to Hendrick Motorsports. But that is the thing, is that that's where he got his start, and um, you have to wonder if he won't possibly make a return. Very interesting idea. Okay, Andy, what's your next top topic? Um, you know, I know there's a bunch of them and I'm going to have to, I've actually gotten kind of wrapped up in the discussion that I'm going to need to go take a peek at the next one. So if either one of you want to go, I've got uh, next, one. Uh, feel free. Okay. Adam Stern has been announced on Twitter today uh, that NASCAR is considering implementing a new attendance standard for tracks in 2021. And uh, the the premise here is that they have to reach at least 70% capacity uh, for Cup Series races, or there could be some sort of penalty 
for the track if they do not hit that 70% mark. So I wanted to get your guys' thoughts about that. So, Andy, I know you're kind of searching, uh, so I'll go to you, Jay. Wow. Um, And I had been on Twitter, too. I had not seen that one. Um, (laughs) That is an interesting concept. Uh, I don't know if – I mean, it's it's true. We've seen it before with tracks, you know, of, of setting setting a marker again, they, pulling the plug on certain tracks due to attendance. You know, it's cost them. Atlantic cost them one of their two races. They used to have two a year. Um, that kind of blows my mind, truthfully. I wow. Again, uh, you've in done consideration. It, it's not something that they've implemented, uh, but something that they're considering doing. So uh, there's been no official announcement that that's happening. I'm just doing clarification right now, but that, um, I, just a, a point of consideration. I know you're you're the one that passed it along, Sharon, but uh, since you're the one that brought it to the table, it's not very often I'm at a loss for words because, like I said, I mean, the, the concept, <laughs> the idea is intriguing. Um, I would look at it, again, try to be a positive person, because if that is the case and there's a penalty or a possible withdrawal of a race, that then it would go to some other tracks that I think do deserve a race, possibly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you have the, I, just like with qualifying and everything else, I'm a fan of it. You know, if you prove you can do it, you should get the opportunity. Certain tracks I feel like have and haven't gotten the opportunity. So if they say, okay, this year we're going to race at this track, you want your date back, you know, do something to prove it. Um, you know, whether it be with the Xfinity or Trucks or Arkham Menards East or Arkham Menards, whatever, um, there's definitely some possibilities there. And that would be the ultimate uh, penalty, if you would. Maybe it's a fine to the track or something. I don't know what they're, what you're saying the penalty would be. Um, definitely intriguing. I mean, I, and I think it would up the tracks to do more to promote themselves uh, versus just saying, hey, we have a NASCAR date. You know, um, we've mm-hmm. seen a lot of different tracks do a lot of different things. So I think it, it would put some pressure on them to up their game as far as the promotion, the uh, involvement of the tracks to get people there. So uh, definitely interesting um, and intriguing as far as a possibility. Okay, Andy, we're at six minutes before the 1030 time frame here. Uh, your thoughts about that? That is incredible. Um, this is the first I've heard of it, you know, now that you've mentioned it. But I think that that is a genius idea for the simple fact that it will force racetracks to do a better job at promoting races and getting fans into the stands, um, you know, especially if there is some kind of a of a penalty for not having 70% capacity. That, that's awesome. I think that's incredible. And it, like I said, it'll it'll force people to work harder at uh, promoting and, and getting people into these races. So that's cool. I like that. That's a really cool concept. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I saw that today, and I thought about it too. And I think it could be. It has the potential to be a really good thing. Uh, I would like to see them do it like in a graduated thing, where uh, kind of a three strikes you're out. If you, your first year you don't do it, you get a. Uh, a monetary uh, penalty, if you will. Uh, second year, that penalty goes up. And if it happens a third year consecutively, uh, it's kind of not, now you're out. Now we go looking for a different track to replace you. And you've got the warning at the two-year <laughs> two mark 
to give you time to go looking for that new track if if uh, this track doesn't uh, perform the, the third year in a row. Uh, and and uh, I think it should be on the tracks to do the promotion for their races. And, and uh, most tracks try to do a good job at that. Some are better at it than others. Uh, and the ones that aren't getting that to that 70% mark uh, are going to have to step up their game and uh, do something different in order to get the results that are needed uh, at those tracks. So I, I do think it's it's an interesting concept. I hope it's um, done in some form uh, of uh, follow through on that on that idea. Again, they're not doing that this year. That's something they're contemplating for uh, next year, the season of 2021. So I didn't mean to catch you guys completely off guard. It was on Twitter, and, and Jayski's got it posted on Twitter uh, on their site. So I thought maybe you guys had seen it already. So, Well, Sharon, um, if I recall correctly, for the Jay Hoosman Cup, I had hired, uh, agreed to hire Andy as my procedure and tech guy. I am hiring <laughs> you as my marketing person. I like that idea. Give them the three years. Hey, here's your warning. Hey, you're getting close. We're done. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, there's, there's our marketing person for the Jay Hoosman cup. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Any, any follow-ups from you guys on that? Yeah, real quick. I think Andy? that, um, you know, by putting the pressure on these tracks to, to get the stands full or at least 70% capacity, it could also open the door for, for new venues. You know, if existing venues yes. can't fill the seats, um, we might see some significant changes venue-wise, and, and I'm honestly all for it. I think we've had the exact same thing for a long time. I'm really intrigued by potential schedule changes for next year. So, um, you know, change is good. It'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, how that plays out. Yep, I agree. I agree. Okay, Andy, were you able to find a topic there? Yeah, um, I can probably do that after the 10:30 mark if you want, but I do have something. To oh, talk okay, about let next. me go ahead and say that. Yeah, let me go ahead and do our 10:30 uh, announcement here. Uh, for those of you that may be listening for the first time, we do go off the air at exactly 10:30 p.m. Eastern time. However, we continue our hot topic conversation as part of an overtime bonus material that's available on our podcast. So you'll be able to hear the rest of the conversation. I go out on Twitter to let fans know that the podcast is, that we've completed our live uh, broadcast and give the link for the podcast so that uh, those who have listened up to this point can just fast forward to that two-hour mark and be able to listen to the rest of the conversation uh, on the podcast material. Now, if you're listening uh, to the podcast to begin with, it's going to be seamless. You're going to be able to listen straight through, and uh, this announcement is pretty meaningless because there's not going to be any interruption. Uh, It's basically for those folks that are listening live, uh, just a reminder that you can go back and hear the podcast and and listen to the rest of that conversation. So with that, uh, Jay, or I'm sorry, Andy, what do you got? Yeah, uh, the next one, um, you know, this one I'm personally looking forward to, but um, Chase Briscoe was announced to come back to uh, run a second full Xfinity season with SHR for 2020. Okay, Jay. I didn't see why he wouldn't. I mean, with what he did last year, um, 
and we've seen what he's done the year before in multiple part-time rides. So I think this could be his year. Um, I actually kind of tie that into something I had of with the big three moving on. Um, obviously have some repeat contenders, but who are the next stars? I mentioned it to Sharon earlier in the show. Who are the next stars to make their name this year in the Xfinity Series? And I think Chase Briscoe is definitely at the top of that list. Not that he hasn't already made a name, but be one of those top championship contending teams um, along with Austin Sindrick and a couple others. Yeah, I agree. I, I think Chase Briscoe deserves to have that opportunity with Stuart House Racing in the Xfinity Series, and uh, I think he's going to be one of the top dogs uh, in that Xfinity Series this year. But, again, I'm kind of looking at all the rookies uh, in all three series this year, and there's four rookies that are coming in to the Xfinity Series this year, uh, including Joe Graff Jr. in that number 08. You've got Jesse Little in the number 4, Riley Erbst in the number 18, and Harrison Burton in that number 20. I think I think we're going to see at least one or two of those drivers uh, that are going to kind of rise to the top rather quickly, uh, maybe not in the first half of the season, but by the second half of the season, I think, uh, and, and who knows, they might start right out the gate. Uh, in the Xfinity Series, continuing well. And uh, I think I had a conversation with one of you again. I think it might have been you, Jay. Uh, we were talking about Harrison Burton, how he's at, his driving style is actually more suited to the Xfinity Series car than it is to the trucks. And it was good that he had the experience in the trucks, but I think he's going to be a faster start in these Xfinity Series cars than he was in the trucks. And I think he's one that's that's, uh, really going to be up there rather quickly. And I think Riley Erbst is the other one in that number 18. I think think, uh, those guys are are going to do well this year in the Xfinity Series. So there's uh, a couple of my favorites for for, uh, new names. Uh, that are going to rise to the top, along with the veterans like Justin Algauer and Michael Lynette and, and some of those guys that had great seasons last year. Andy? Yeah, no, it's going to be another stacked season uh, in the Xfinity Series. Um, you know, I, and I, I think those two Gibbs drivers, uh, Riley Herbst and, and Harrison Burton, are. I mean, there's no reason they, they won't be competitive. It's it's fair to say that Gibbs has some of, if not the best equipment in that series, um, you know, and, and Harrison, I thought did a really good job in his limited starts last year um, in the, um, in the 18 car. So I, I definitely think that uh, they will be contenders, certainly playoff contenders and wouldn't be surprised to see um, one or both get to victory lane at some point in the year. Um, specifically with, with Chase Briscoe, I'm incredibly excited he's going to be back. And um, I think it's important. This is looking at what he's done in, in NASCAR so far. This is the first time that he's actually returned with the same team, with you know, with uh, the same crew chief for a second consecutive season. Mm-hmm. You know, because he, he drove an ARCA season back in 16, won the championship. Then he drove a truck season for Brad Kozlowski Racing. 18, he drove a Roush car and an SHR car um, part-time and then jumped into the 98 full-time last year. So to have, 
the ability to get back in the 98 for a second consecutive season with the same crew chief is a big deal. I read that uh, that team is composed of basically half of last year's 98 team and half of Cole Custer's double zero team. So, you know, they've obviously got a stacked deck in terms of crew members working on that car. Um, And I look at, you know, I kind of look at what he was able to do. He had a really good season last year, um, you know, and, and as the year progressed, you know, I feel like, you know, the team figured out what he needed in the race car, and he, and he learned the car, he learned the tracks, and I felt that there was a, a pretty significant change for the better from the second half of the year going back to the first half of the year. So I think that um, he's only getting better and better as time goes on, and I'm personally extremely excited because he's one of the drivers I like to follow personally, and I, I think that, honestly, we're going to be celebrating a lot of wins from him this year. It's going to be fun. So um, it kind of makes you wonder what his future looks like beyond 2020, but um, certainly um, it's good that he's back for a full Xfinity season. And I think that he absolutely will be, I think one of the the drivers that will be uh, in contention for the title when it's all said and done. Any follow-up, Jay? No, I think again, we've been talking about a great class. Uh, It'll be interesting to see, um, what some of the other drivers I mentioned earlier, Noah Gregson, his second year, uh, I think he's going to mm-hmm. step up. We've seen junior motorsports always be contenders. I, much as I hate to say it, I think you got You can't look past the Go- Joe Gibbs operation as a whole. Brandon Jones, I think, is going to come into his own. Um, kind of been overlooked in years past. Harrison Burton coming in as the rookie. I believe Riley Herbst is running full-time as well. So, mm-hmm. uh I think there again, you can't look just like in the Cup Series to be the man. You got to beat the man, and right now it's Joe Gibbs Racing. But there are teams out there that can do it. We've seen that, so uh, certainly going to be an interesting year. Well, I, I think one of the drivers that uh, we definitely have to consider as a possibility, and I'm anxious to see how he does, uh, is Brett Moffat in the number zero two for our Motorsports. Uh, we know he's good. He he won the championship in the truck series. Uh, I'm I'm anxious to see how he does in the Xfinity series. Uh, and another driver that I think we have to keep our eye in as one that could be contending in the end is well, he's driving part time. Uh, but we mentioned it earlier that number eight car for Junior Motorsports with Daniel Hamrick, Jeb Burton, and for one race Dale Earnhardt Jr. Uh, with the crew chief Taylor Moyer. I look for that car to be another strong car this year uh, in that Xfinity series uh, with those two drivers in there. So uh, I think that's going to be big. And then also uh, Ross Chastain, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, I think he's running for the championship in that series this year, and I think he's going to be one of the ones that are going to be there at the end as well uh, with colleague racing. So uh, Ross Chastain is is another big name, and his teammate Justin Haley, his second year in that car uh, for college racing, uh, another one to keep your eye on. Oh yeah, I mean I I have to apologize for overlooking those college racing cars, and especially Chastain. I mean you know he's going to be a factor and win races all season long, and I think that um, Justin Haley will improve upon what he did last year. So. Um, it's a stacked deck yet again. I think it's going to be a really good field and a lot of uh, weekly contenders. So, um, yeah, it's going to be fun for sure to see what those guys can do. 
And then you got Myatt Snyder and Anthony Alfredo in the 21 car for Richard Childress Racing. Uh, I mean, Brandon Jones is back for a second year. We know how strong he was at the end of last year. I, I think the Xfinity Series is going to be exciting. I, I agree. I'm, I'm with Andy. Kind of have it, haven't overlooked the college racing team. What we've seen them build over the past couple of years. I know last year Chastain made that option to to move over to the Truck Series where they thought they had a shot at the championship, and they certainly did. To see Ross Chastain there running full time for that championship, along with Justin Haley, so we we know that they can get that done. So that's another team that is certainly on the rise. We saw Junior Motorsports start at that level, get to the level they're at now as a four car operation. I think College Racing is doing that same thing, and they're at about the second to third and final stage of that. Um, so we could see that fully blossom this year. Exactly. But I do, going back to the original topic, I do think no matter who else you put into that mix, uh, Chase Briscoe is going to be one of those guys contending at the end uh, and, and could possibly be the next Xfinity Series champion. <clears throat> okay, Jay, what's but, your next topic? And you say that's certainly going to be interesting to uh, find out. Uh, let's see how much, where, where are we at with time? All right. Let's go with this one. Uh, Andy wasn't on the show yet. I know we kind of, I kind of was kind of leaning towards some hot topics as we were discussing our, our uh, entry list, talking about Daniel Suarez mm-hmm. in a Toyota having to race his way into the 500. We've seen it with teams in the past. And again, it's not something that's illegal. A team that is locked in, drop back through the field and help a team that isn't to make sure they get in. Could we possibly see a Toyota make sure and help Daniel Suarez get into the Daytona 500? I think that's possible. We saw Denny Hamlin help uh, his teammate Eric Jones. Andy, your thoughts? Yeah, I think that um, I think that's 100% a possibility, and you'll probably see it. I don't know what kind of support Gaunt Brothers Racing gets from Toyota and, you know, if they have any kind of level of manufacturer support, like obviously Joe Gibbs Racing and Living Family Racing do. Um, But, you know, given that Suarez is there, and I think that there's a lot more funding going into that car this year, um, there's certainly a huge incentive for it to make all the races. And, um, you know, depending on how much involvement Toyota has with that team, you know, there may be a huge incentive for them to, to maybe not necessarily step in, but maybe, you know, have some kind of a team meeting in which, you know, they, they do their best to ensure that that car does make the field. I mean, it's a huge payday to, to just make the Daytona 500. And for a team like that, it would be huge to, to make sure it's in that race. So, yeah, I think you'll absolutely see some kind of help. Um, I mean, that's what super speedway racing is all about anyway, is is teammates and pushing each other and, and working together to try to get the best result possible. So um, I'd have to look and see who's in that race, but I'm sure there's other Toyota teammates in there, and I wouldn't be surprised that, you know, if um, if necessary, you know, someone may drop back and help him. And he may be able to race his way up there on his own without any difficulty as well, um, you know, but you know, admittedly that team, um, you know, has kind of rushed to get things ready for, for this week and for the first few races of the year. And uh, they have been down on speed a bit to start speed week. So it'll be interesting to see how they perform tomorrow. 
Um, but obviously the first big test will be to, to see if they can get their way into the field. And certainly one of the storylines, I think, for tomorrow night's duels. Yeah, he's going to be in that first duel uh, uh, tomorrow night. And his starting position is in row 10, uh, position number 19. So there's only 22 cars in there. So he's going to be coming from the back of the field. That's not a big deal at a track like Daytona. But uh, it just goes to show that his qualifying run uh, to, for the duel uh, didn't uh, do a whole lot to help him. But I, hopefully it did a lot to help him learn things that are, are going to help him with his Gaunt Brothers car uh, in this race. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. And as I look at the, the field uh, for uh that first duel, we talked about it a little bit earlier. There are five Toyotas that are going to be in that field, and that includes uh, Denny Hamlin is going to be in a Toyota. Uh, Christopher Bell, I believe, is in a Toyota. Uh, let me see. Who are the other Toyotas here? Martin Truex, Jr., Beyond that, I'm not sure who the other Toyotas are. Uh, it looks like Chad Fincham is a Toyota. Daniel Suarez. Martin Truex, I already mentioned. Christopher Bell and Denny Hamlin. I, I guess we hit on all of them. Those are the five Toyotas. So if, if Daniel Suarez is going to get help from another Toyota, uh, there's only four other drivers that can do it. So... It'll be interesting to see what does happen in that first duel. Well, and what what I look at is is I mean obviously we expect Denny Hamlin to uh, to be up front and contending. Again, he's kind of considered the favorite. Uh, I know obviously teams are looking at their best starting position, but again, when you look at it as a manufacturer, they are locked in. They know they're going to start. If they're one that isn't ready to or isn't in the right position to be up front and contend at the end for the win and a top starting spot, you might see them do that like we've seen in the past, drop back. And the two of them teaming up together, obviously, are both going to hopefully gain positions, um, but just to ensure that that team, another Toyota, does make it into the 500, I don't see it as out of the realm of possibilities. Okay. Andy, your thoughts? Uh, well, no real follow-up. I, I think that, um, you know, it's going to be certainly a storyline to see what Torres does, um, you know, but I think that there is a lot of incentive for him to, you know, like all the teams to try to get their way into the 500. So um, I think that teamwork will be part of it, and, you know, they'll um, they'll certainly probably do what it takes to get themselves in for Sunday. All right. Any other uh, hot topics uh, from you guys for tonight? Well, Sharon, I think sure? there's one there's one big Go one ahead. we haven't touched on yet that uh, I was going to leave for you to, to bring up. I think you probably know what that one is, involving a certain uh, 19 car at Joe Gibbs. Uh, no, I don't. To, uh, the crew chief change? Oh, the crew chief change. Oh, my God. Yeah, uh, how's Martin Truex going to do this year without Cole Pern? Is that what you're getting at? Yeah, that's a big one we haven't touched base on yet, and I kind of wanted to 
obviously let you go first on that one since it does pertain to Martin. But, yeah, that's a huge one for sure, real big news. Uh, I think it is a huge one. Um, Cole Pern and the matchup of Cole Pern with Martin Truex Jr. has been magical to watch. Uh, his career before Cole Pern and his career after Cole Pern are significantly different. Uh, and he's had some great success with him. Uh, what I do like, though, is that the crew chief that he has is somebody who worked under Colpern uh, and has worked with him uh, throughout the years with Colpern. And I think he's going to bring, although he might bring some of his own personality, of course, into it, I think that he, he's probably learned enough from Colpern uh, that he can help Martin Truex uh, move forward. Uh, is there going to be some bumps in the road? Probably. But I, I am happy about the selection of who they picked uh, to take over his spot because I think uh, uh, he's learned a lot from Cole Pern uh, that will help Martin Truex moving forward. So, Jay, do you want to add on to any of that? Well, and that's one I think. I think it was you and I sharing that talk uh, when we first talked uh, on a Saturday morning or something about that. Um, it's huge, and the timing of it is a little awkward. But you, you got to respect Cole Pern's decision. Um, mm-hmm. What decision he made? We've seen it with drivers. We've seen it with crew chief driver pairings. Sometimes it just you know it happens. Chad Knauss, Jimmy Johnson, this year with uh, Paul Wolf, Brad Keselowski, they've been split up. So. I think it is going to be an impact, but I also think that Martin Truex as a driver for one has uh, developed much more, has much more confidence uh, in himself and the team. So I don't think it's as big a hiccup, but it certainly is a loss um, to see how quickly him and new crew chief can gel will be the key factor. Uh, and, it, and that'll be tough to gauge. We can't just go by Daytona uh, for obvious reasons that we've talked about. You know, that's more about long-term through a season. So you got to give it six to ten races, uh, all the different tracks, and see how that goes. But I know Martin's already, or Martin Truex has already talked about it in his interview. He is very comfortable with him. So I think it's going to be all right. Um, and, again, like I said, I think Truex has definitely developed as a driver, so maybe has more input to it as well that they can uh, help each other, if you will. Andy, your thoughts? Yeah, this is well. This is, in in my opinion, shocking news. Um, you know, to see a high-profile crew chief like that step away. But um, you know, first off, hats off to to what Colburn did uh, for our sport. You know, in in racing, he's a championship-winning crew chief. He uh, he won a lot of races and uh, really, you know, did a lot for for Martin Truex Jr.'s career. So um, it, it, it's sad to see him go, but at the same time. Um, in auto racing, it's very rare that, that team members and drivers alike get the chance to walk away on their own terms, and that's exactly what he got to do. So, um, you know, kudos to him for that. You know, it, it obviously, um, you know, was, was his time to move on, and, you know, I think he evidently thought the timing was right, and, you know, if that's what he wants to do and, you know, what's best for him and his family, then, then you know, you got to you gotta respect that. Um, certainly an intriguing move. I, I don't think any of us could have predicted it um you know so again hats off to him for all he did and you know what he'll be doing in the future um that being said i think that the selection of james small as the new crew chief 
um, was the logical next step. He had been the engineer on the 19 car um, recent, most recently and certainly knows that system, knows that team, knows um, you know the inner workings of what they were able to do and be successful at. So um, certainly makes a, a, a huge difference um, you know, having worked under Cole and, and knowing his processes and the way that he went about things. And I think that a lot of what Cole brought to that team will continue on through James Small. Um, you know, and another big piece of the puzzle too is they brought back Jeff Curtis as the engineer who had been the engineer on the 78 car at Furniture Row Racing during all their success. Um, I think even the year they won the championship. So bringing back another person who's intimately familiar with Cole Pern's processes, that means you've got two guys, a, a crew chief and a lead engineer that, that know extremely well what it takes to be successful. So um, that being said, I, I think that that's a very well-stacked team talent wise. I think they've uh, got the potential to go out there and look exactly like they've looked in years past. So um I think they're going to be just fine. Obviously, chemistry is a big part of it. It remains to be seen, you know, how James and, and Martin hit it off. And certainly it could go either way, but I tend to think that, um, you know, they'll be just fine. I think that they will continue to win races and be championship contenders in 2020 and uh, beyond that. Okay. Um, I, I think those are, are good comments, Uh Andy, and, and you said it much better than I did, but I'm kind of of the same thinking there uh, with regard to, you know, who's taking his place and, and the fact that he's come up through that system, and, and I think it's all good. Now, Jay, I know you have some comments uh, from one of our listeners uh, with regard to the GMS racing team, uh, so if you'd like to bring that up, that, that would be fine. Okay, um, I had put it up, I know, on our chat group there, or, uh, chat page on uh, the Facebook event. Um, we shared that post, and he made the comments on my post of sharing it. So I know I've had a couple like that so far that I've shared, but and I try and get him to come on to the actual uh, event page as we grow this. Uh, hopefully we can get that working. I know Clinton was the same way the other night. But uh, a friend of mine... Uh, he was in the Air Force, an officer in the Air Force, and is now an airline pilot, and I can't remember what company, but uh, up in Wisconsin. Uh, and he is a NASCAR fan. He doesn't always have necessarily the, the same opinion or a popular opinion, but I did want to share it because, again, it, we want the fan engagement. So uh, now let me find it back here. It was in reference to the GMS uh, racing okay. um no, I can't find those comments here. I'll just read them from here. Okay, his his comments were, I think there'll be another mid-pack backmarker. To be honest, I'm surprised that Maurice is even still in the game after Spencer checked out. Um, and, again, I chat with him uh, quite a bit. Uh, normally during race day, actually, he's one that I'm hoping maybe will engage with us during our race day chats because I know a lot of times if we're both watching the race that uh, me and him go back and forth. So, uh, like I said, he definitely has some opinions, and I know, as within any call-in or opinion show that you're asking for fans' opinions, as long as they're not vulgar, vulgar or crude, you know, you got to respect somebody else's opinion. You know, I disagree. They're obviously not a, a back mid-pack marker. Uh, it's been a while since they have been. Um, the question of, of 
still being a team owner uh, once Spencer went through his issue and uh, is no longer with the team. There again, I kind of disagree. I, I think that they've done a phenomenal job. Like I said, I was sad to see their Xfinity team go away with what they did with John Hunter Nemechek, and I thought he had a great opportunity coming into this year had he been able to stay with that team. So, um, But I just wanted to share those. Uh, again, we encourage well, fans to, to engage. I know that, Jeff. Absolutely, and thank you, Mike, for uh, giving your comments. We do appreciate it, and and like uh, Jay said, we may not agree. Uh, we don't always agree amongst ourselves. So, but uh, I think we can we can respectfully uh, share opinions and uh, discuss those. Uh, I will say that um, uh, Spencer stepping away. Are you talking about him stepping away as a driver? He's still involved with GMS Racing, though, uh, and I've seen him. Uh, at the track with the team and, and actively engaged with what's going on with that team. Uh, GMS Racing I've been impressed with from the very beginning. I think they've always uh, they stepped out into the program in, through the truck series and did very, very well. I see them taking a step back right now to refocus on that truck series program and to, to help these drivers, Tyler Ancrum and Zane Smith, uh, come into the, the sport and uh, I applaud them for that because we need new blood in the sport. And uh, they've got the veterans and they've got the, the newbies. Uh, and I, I don't see them as a mid-pack team. I, I do have to disagree with that. I do think that they're going to uh, be up there contending uh, throughout the season as we've seen them do over the last several years. Andy, any, any thoughts on your end? Yeah, I would agree with both of you. I I don't see them as a mid-pack team. They're I think that they're a, they're a top ten team on a weekly basis. I mean, you know, Brett Moffat just won the championship with them. So, or you know, a couple of years ago, I think it was. Um, you know, so I mean, that's a team that that will for sure contend. You know, but I will say, um, you know, that there may be some growing pains this year. Their their truck series lineup is. Mm-hmm. Um, quite a bit different, you know, a lot of new crew um, and personnel in different positions and some new people that joined the team. So maybe they won't have instant success out of the, the box. Although I, for one, did pick Brett Moffitt to win on Friday night, which he can do. Um, so we shall see, um, you know, so there may be some growing pains truthfully, um, but I, I would be shocked to see them not win races this year, especially Brett Moffitt. I think that, um, you know, he's going to win at least a handful uh, like normal. So um, I, I don't think you could call him a backmarker team by any stretch of the means, um, you know, you know, with a couple of their trucks though. Yeah. There'll probably be some growing pains for sure. Um, but um, I think that they put a lot of resources into the truck series. They've, I think one races every single year, at least since they've been doing this, you know, so um, I would expect nothing less again for uh, 2020. Okay. Jay, any, any other thoughts on your end? No, exactly. We may see them step back. Like you said, maybe a little bit this year due to some of the changes. Uh, I don't, again, kind of with the Martin Truex cold part, I don't think we're going to see a lot, but if there is a little, there is a reason for it. Uh, Bringing two, New drivers in, Zane Smith and Tyler Ankrum. But you also have the two veterans, one of which was a championship-winning uh, team driver. So uh, I think they'll be all right. Like you, say, like you said, if they see that little bit of a down or decline, 
Um, it isn't anything I'd be too worried about because they have put their total focus now on the truck series. So I think we're going to, I think we'll still see them as championship contending teams, even with the two new teams, uh, with the drivers they have, I think that's a high possibility. Okay. Uh, and again, we want to thank Mike for stepping up and, and uh, posting his thoughts. We do appreciate it. And uh, we encourage other fans to do the same. And uh, it takes that one, that first brave person to do it uh, to kind of encourage the others. Uh, again, we're not here to uh, – we, we appreciate having another point of view uh, being put into the mix. So uh, thank you again, Mike, for, for taking the time to uh, uh, post your thoughts. Okay, Any, anything else? I know we're at the top of the hour here, so I guess we don't have time for, for much of anything else here. Uh, so let's go ahead and go around the table. Andy, let's start with you uh, on what we can look forward to here and your handles. Yeah, on Twitter, uh, alasky 14 that's my only social media outlet going right now. And then um, I'm going to work on a Hot Topics article that I expect to complete Friday and hopefully have uh, out for viewing this weekend. So uh, we've got that coming through the pipeline this week. And uh, just want to say that I am incredibly excited about this weekend. I kind of started to get that Christmas Eve night type feel uh, with the excitement. <laughs> Um, you know, we've got a lot of racing starting really tomorrow through Sunday. So it, I'm so happy it's here, and uh, I'm getting pretty pumped. Okay, Jay. Uh, you can follow me on MoparMJ8 on Twitter and Instagram, the name Michael Hoosman on Facebook. Uh, throughout the weekend, I'll definitely be up on Twitter as I get all of our uh, fantasy picks up for the Fan for Racing group here. Uh, hopefully get some other inputs on that. And we got a minute or two here. I just put another one up there. Do we see a dark horse winner? And if so, who? Real quick. Okay, Andy. For the Daytona 500, Jay? Yeah, for the 500. Who's your dark horse pick? Did Andy go away? I don't know. Did you leave, oh, Andy? Oh, I'm, uh, I'm sorry. I was on mute. My apologies. Um Matt Benedetto, 21 car, Wood Brothers, 100th career win for that team. That would be just awesome. Yeah, I, I would love to see Matt Benedetto win. Uh, but I think another dark horse you got to consider, and I don't know if you really consider him a dark horse, uh, is Ryan Newman. We talked about it earlier. He has one of the highest uh, average uh, starting positions and, and finishing positions uh, of all the drivers. And so uh, I think he's one that you've got to think about as a potential winner for this weekend in that number six car for Roush Fenway Racing. Well, that's that's what happens when you when you let everybody else go first and you got to go last. Uh, Andy, I'd already talked about that a little bit. I think it would be extremely cool to see Matt DiBenedetto get that yep. uh, 100 win for the Wood Brothers here in the 500. We know it's a possibility. And Sharon mentioned Ryan Newman, another very good one. Um, I meant to say that earlier when we talked about that. He kind of was at the tail end of his career. It looked like it. We've seen a resurgent. I don't think he's going anywhere anytime soon. Um, that was actually, like I said, it would have been mine as far as, if you will, a dark horse or a, um upset winner. Um, trying to think now of another one I was thinking of. 
Actually, uh, I'll go with it. We saw him finish second uh, two years ago, I believe. If things work out right, uh, Bubba Wallace. I would love to see Richard Petty go back to victory lane, and we've seen Bubba Wallace can get it done. So I'll go with Bubba Wallace. Okay, I think those are three good ones. Anybody anybody post on that thread, Jay? I just put it up, so I haven't seen anything else on that yet, no. Okay. Okay, so we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, I am Fan for Racing site on Twitter, Fan for Racing blog and radio on Facebook. Uh, again, we are putting out event uh, pages for uh, the radio shows to encourage fan interaction. Uh, so we want to continue to do that. Uh, I plan to do a race day chat this weekend for the 500. Uh, so Andy and Jay, uh, Sam, uh, J- uh, James Bickford, uh, I'm hoping to get all, maybe even Sal, I'm hoping to get our fan racing crew uh, engaged with that. I know Sal's kind of busy this weekend. He's getting married, so I don't think he's going to participate. But uh, the rest of you, I'm hoping... If you're available, uh, I'd love to have you guys participate in the race day chat along with our listeners uh, tuning in for that as well. So keep your eyes open. I'm not sure yet if we'll do it as a hashtag on Twitter yet or if we'll do it uh, on Facebook like we're doing the event page uh, where we have an event page and a discussion going on there. Uh, Maybe we can talk about that, but be on the lookout for an announcement of a, uh, a watch party through our fan for racing group. Uh, certainly, uh, hopefully, again, it is the 500, so I should be near a television set. I may not be sitting at home, but I should be near a television set somewhere, and uh, would love to join in on that. I will 100% be in front of the TV on Sunday. I have no other plans except that, so that's where I'll be. Okay. Okay, so we'll have fun with this. All right, everybody, uh, a big shout-out to our listeners. We appreciate each and every one of you. We hope you'll continue to tune in throughout our 2020 season. And uh, I'm definitely looking forward to the race weekend, and we appreciate all of the listeners who tuned in tonight, whether you're listening on the podcast or to the live broadcast. So thank you so much. With that, we'll call it a wrap and say good night, guys. Good night. Enjoy the weekend, and we'll talk to you next week. Daytona. <laughs> Let's go. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.